Hey everyone, Zach here just to give you guys a heads up that on this particular episode, uh, we experienced quite a bit of technical difficulties throughout the recording process, so the audio quality isn't quite as up to snuff as what we are used to here at History Boys HQ. Our service that we were using pretty much fucked us over, and we had to record multiple times just to get this episode out. Currently, we're looking into uh, different solutions to make sure that this never happens ever again. Thank you so much, and let's get on with the show. Everybody, we are the History Boys back again. Uh, I am Christopher Whedon. I'm Tyler on the trap. <laughs> he's uh, uh, currently he is jamming a giant burrito yeah, into his it, mouth. It, it is it's about the, the gross, size of his newborn. It is or, the grossest thing I've ever seen. I folks. usually, um, I usually <laughs> say, and I'm a history boy, but I've completely forgot to do that part because I was so enamored with Tyler stuffing. Uh, a burrito in his face. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> I'm, a trout, I'm a history boy and a burrito boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a history boy. I forgot to say that, but I'm gonna keep going. I'm I'm Zach Mack. I'm uh, also a history boy. And I am Jerry Nash, and I am also a history boy. You guys, uh, I'm yeah. so excited. I feel like I feel like when we do episodes that are relevant to what's going on in the world, which is. You know, pretty much every episode, you know, minus, <laughs> you know, minus one or two here and there. I always feel like, uh, you know, it makes me not only more excited about history, but it makes me more excited about current events in the world around me. It makes me more curious. So yeah. I'm excited about this. I'm very, I, I, it's making me a very curious boy wanting to know what's going on in the world. Yeah, I'm looking in, I'm looking in my neighbor's window, looking in the shop windows as I'm going down the street, seeing what they're putting on the shelves, you know. Yeah. It's good. Just following around the guy who's filling the shelves at the grocery store in the middle of the night at a 24-hour grocery store, just what's following him story? around, asking questions about his personal life. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast has led me to do that, is what I'm saying. Is that, <laughs> as, as it should. Being like, where'd you grow up? <laughs> And they tell you at first, and you could see them getting a little more annoyed. They're annoyed right away because nobody, who wants that? He's a night, he's a night stalker at a grocery store. You're like, hey, cold check. Where's the rice aroni? Also, where were you born? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Columbus. Oh, wait, why are you asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are we doing today, Jerry? Tell us, tell us the story. Well, today I have. A tale of two elections. Oh. Elections back to back. Now, our country has had some bonkers elections. Uh, we were all alive to see the Bush v. Gore 2000 election. Oh, yeah. I was there. Certainly, it was one of the strangest in the United States history. The back to back elections of 1872 and 1876 were particularly crazy for some of the same reasons as 2000 and 2020 but for some other more unexpected reasons as well. Al Gore didn't invent the internet yet. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. why. Well, no yeah. And back then, if you want to be a reality TV star, you had to like just set up a st- – I mean it's just being in a play. You're just in a play all the time. Yeah. There's no TV yet. <laughs> so you just set up a stage and it's got the stage has a toilet, the stage has a bed, the stage has a kitchen. You're just living your life, you know? Yeah. 
And like a cowboy rides up and just shoots you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your whole life. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it used to be back then. Yeah. Cowboy, yeah. You could, if you didn't like someone, you could just shoot him in the face, get on a horse, and ride away. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, I think I heard a couple country songs like that. They done uh, shot the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you're a mayor now. <laughs> so it sounds like... Sounds like this town needs an election. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our story starts in Amherst, New Hampshire, on February 3rd, 1811, when a man by the name of Horace Greeley was born. There's a name. Yeah. You guys ever heard of him? Nope. I haven't. Really? Uh, well, I mean, Have I you remember eat? them mention him once. I, I remember them mentioning him once in high school. Do you remember it. how we just did that uh, thing for our Patreon where he quizzed us all and we didn't know shit, even yeah. though we talked about it in the podcast? <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> Who do you yeah, think you're talking to? Me? you, dude. <laughs> yeah. Horace Greeley oh. was on the negative five dollar bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> if you know. Such a bill existed. He was on an early uh, game show if, on MTV in the 80s. <laughs> like Jon Stewart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, many attribute the fact that he couldn't breathe for the first 20 minutes he was alive to what many believe his Asperger's syndrome. Oh, so shit. So he couldn't breathe for the first 20 minutes he was alive, and they're like, that's why he has Asperger's. I don't know if that's how it works, but it was the vaccines. Woof. Yeah. I was joking about the vaccines thing. Um, you guys are like, oh, I will oh. say, I feel Here really bad about being like, he should be on the negative five. You're like, he has Asperger's. You monster. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, what's crazy to me is that he couldn't fucking breathe for 20 goddamn minutes. Your first 20 minutes, yeah. like, out of your mom's cooch, and, and, <laughs> and you can't breathe. So at this yeah. point, is is he the living dead? Because you no one came back. I think he had trouble breathing. You know, um, man. I mean, it's all uphill from there, you know? Your first 20 say, minutes, like, you're ready for anything at that point. Yeah, he's like, just throw me throw me, and I'll be like a deep sea diver. I can hold my breath for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like Guybrush Threepwood. No. Oh. Monkey Island. Yes. Is that a Monkey Island reference? Yeah. Guybrush Threepwood could hold his breath for a while, like 10 minutes maybe. I don't know. Oof. He was a brilliant boy. He learned to read at the astonishing young age of four. Mm. Um, His family was poor, however, so a wealthy neighbor of theirs actually offered to put up the cash to give the young Horace a good education. But Horace's father, Zacchaeus, I think that's how you pronounce it, Zacchaeus, he was too proud to accept the charity, however, and he declined. (laughs) Which is crazy. That's Uh, classic old man... He's like, I'll take, I'll take care of this family. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he could have totally. just traded one of the C's in his name. He could have <laughs> yeah. traded the whole last syllable and just had a regular name, like Arzak. He could have yeah, yeah. gone by Z, which would have been cool. There you go. Just Z. I'm Z, brother. Yeah. I don't need your money, man. I'm Z. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, wealthy neighbor actually let Horace like read all the books in his personal library. Which, you know, was pretty cool of him to do. Which were all uh, erotica that he created. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was about to say, it was all his personal, like, his sex diaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, there's also a lot of pictures. Mostly yeah. hand-drawn pictures of him with a really long penis, and he was way buff. 
Yeah, he's like, how come you don't look like this in real life? He's like, I do. <laughs> you gotta get your eyes checked, kid. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a hired hand, and he was terrible with money. And in 1820, he fled New Hampshire with his family to settle in Vermont, or else he'd be thrown in a debtor's prison. So mm. he's running away from that. Sally no. May is, is what he was running away from. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, like Ned Kelly's dad. Yeah, well, kind yes. of. Who's going to end up Ned Kelly? Oh, wait, no, that was kind of Scottish. Fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, that's why I don't do voices. Yeah. I mean, didn't Ned, Ned Kelly's dad went from, was it Ireland to Australia? Yeah. Yes. Whereas yeah. this guy, Zagreus, went from New, New Hampshire, Hampshire all the way to Vermont. To Vermont. <laughs> Yeah, the arduous journey to oh. Vermont. Ugh. <laughs> Hope uh. of Ben and Jerry's and socialism. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1822, at the age of 12, Horace ran away from home to go be a, an apprentice to a printer because he loved books so much he wanted to learn how to make them. <clears throat> I, I'm starting to like this kid already. Yeah. yeah I have we- a feeling I'm going to eat my words about that, though. Uh, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. Now, the printer told him that he was way too young to be his apprentice, and he kind of shooed him away, you know? Like, get You're out too of young to be your printer's apprentice. Now go to the smoggy factory and go work there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work up from the coal mines if you want to be a printer's yeah. apprentice. But at the age of 15, he finally got a job as a printer's apprentice. After oh, three man. years of constant begging. Yeah, exactly. That's not too far off. Somebody I thought has fake mustaches. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> no, no it's, it's all good. I thought it was a three-year-long internship. That's yeah, how we right. got hired on. <laughs> Unpaid internship. Unpaid internship, exactly. Yeah. You made up for an experience and exposure. Yeah. yeah, right. And it was weird how much uh, mine and coal he had to do. Yeah, right. Considering it was a print- <laughs> Those printers don't run themselves. They run on coal like everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And kids pushing a big wheel. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you end up with an army of, of illiterate child Conan the Barbarians, because they push that wheel, and then they grow up, and they're all buff, and then they go yeah. around punching donkeys. <laughs> yeah. Like that movie. Uh, yeah. Like that movie, Red Dawn, the John Millis one. <laughs> the John Millis. Yes. Uh, so Horace's appetite for reading was terrarian. He read nearly everything in the local library. You just gonna drop a word like Terrarian on me? Yeah. Yeah, like he's like uh, Terrar. I, I was referencing Terrar. Oh. Yeah. Dude couldn't Ev- get enough. The, the fact that he could get everyone else get that but me. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I guess so. That's the, yeah, that's that's the way it's looking. <laughs> so when the first paper that he worked for closed, he moved to Pennsylvania uh, to live with his family for a short time. But he wanted to publish his own newspaper. So in 1831, he moved to New York City to open his own paper. Uh, Let me guess, he he decided to open up the New York Post? (laughs) (laughs) No. I was thinking that too. Thank you. That already existed. It is. Created by Alexander Uh, Hamilton. I've mentioned that on the show before. I'm also related to him. I've mentioned that on the show before. Yeah. In this time, there were a lot of daily papers that were put out, many failing as fast as they came out. Considering that journalism was certainly not what it was or what it is today, a lot of papers, including a few of Horace's early papers, published lottery results. Not a lot else. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it wasn't like sports or anything to report on. 
still uh, still more reliable than Fox News, right, guys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of editorial stuff, and that's kind of what he gravitated towards is editorial stuff. So it was like your lucky numbers are like 517, yada, yada, yada. And here's my opinion about like rutabagas or like, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you got to think about, like, what is it? Like, Ben Franklin's just putting out books of just, like, if you put yeah. a penny in your pocket today, you'll have two pennies tomorrow. And everyone's like, fuck, <laughs> this is great. This is, I'm so glad that <laughs> I, bought two, I bought copies for my whole family. Yeah. He's like, that Ben Franklin was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. If you go to bed early, then you get up early the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Another solid Another gold. banger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Ben Franklin. Yeah, piece of shit. Uh, I think he was dead at this point, by the way. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you know. He was one of the older founding fathers. Yeah. I know, I'm just saying, like, that's that's probably the style of the papers. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot of... Very partisan papers. If you, think the par- if you think papers today are partisan, back then, even more so. Even worse than the Clinton News Network? <laughs> nice. Oh. <laughs> trying to be uh you know bipartisan here guys i, I understand i only uh, get my news from newsmax i take that i take my news crank it to the max newsmax <laughs> oan fox news you know good stuff yeah <laughs> talk about it in parlor yeah, yeah there you go by the way if you if you're looking for us uh you can find us on history boys on parlor <laughs> yeah. i don't even gonna, i don't even know how it works no, neither do oh, I. Oh, man. Could you imagine us being on Parlor? No. I think we'd, we'd be banned immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> uh, now, working as a contributing editor for several publications and publishing small literary magazines, they were all financial failures. He finally published the first edition of The New Yorker in 1834. Now, this is not the same New Yorker as the one that exists today. Okay, I got excited for a second. Yeah. No, no, no. Now uh, my penis is the small penis. It's uh, <laughs> This New Yorker went defunct, and then somebody else was like, oh, there's no paper called The New Yorker, and then re- remade it. Uh, Sorry for the he used it for his own brand of political commentary, and that's where he kind of started getting into politics with newspapers and things like this. And uh, by editorials, uh, I hope you mean that they were just cartoons with, like, I don't know, politicians dressed like cats and they got like bags of money and they're scratching well, each other's backs. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was a, a different paper, but we'll actually touch on that in this one. Tyler, uh, you like, should uh, you should create a uh, political cartoon because that was pretty good. I'll get them. <laughs> the fat cats in Washington. <laughs> they don't know what's coming for them. Yeah. Now, Horace Greeley was considered to be a bit eccentric in his time. He moved into a boarding house that was supposed to be some sort of utopian commune in the middle of New York City. Uh, They had strict dietary restrictions like no meat, coffee, tea, alcohol, tobacco, or spices of any kind. What the fuck? It was supposed to be like a clean living, temperance, you only take what you need kind of a deal. Every it's like every couple of decades, you know. It's just yeah. <laughs> bunch of people want to get together and smell each other's cabbage farts. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need my spices. I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. I need something. Like I can do I without need- alcohol or whatever. 
That's not true. That's a fucking lie, and you guys know it. <laughs> yeah. If they're like, you can either have coriander or beer, you're like, I need my coriander. Yeah. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yeah. Turmeric? Come on. Yeah. Paprika? You can't, even activate, you, you can't even activate the turmeric without black pepper, so you're going to need two. <sighs> I need at least yeah. two. For the yeah. inflammation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, this type of commune would preach temperance, feminism, although it's not to be confused with suffrage, like female suffrage. The arc of feminism and suffrage, we should probably at least try to cover a little bit on the show, but I'm not going to touch it here. Vegetarianism, socialism, and abolitionism. That's like what they were all about. Uh, Some of those uh, are cool. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, vegetarianism vegetarianism is probably the right way to go. I just like meat because I'm a bad person. I, I wonder how how they went about canceling people back then because you know that those are the guys that are canceling people. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> everybody you know getting what? canceled you know these what? days. You, yeah, know. you know, everybody's getting canceled these days. You can't say anything anymore. And I got 15 minutes of fresh material on how I can't say anything anymore. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, just watch Kevin Hart's new special. Is yeah. it called? Yeah, I it said it. It might as well be called... Yeah, it's called, <laughs> like, not give it a fuck or something. Of course. Okay. And he's like, I don't want to get canceled. And you're like, everybody shut the fuck uh, up. Now. The only yeah. people getting canceled raped people. Yeah, so. are, are horrible people. But it was here that Horace met his future wife, school teacher Mary Young Cheney. Ah, yeah, he got a Dick little Cheney. bit of that granola puss. <laughs> <laughs> the carpet uh, matches the drapes. Dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Although, have you seen a picture of Horace Greeley? Mm. I didn't uh, even know who he was. You did send out a photo. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Didn't he? he uh he had a neck, literally just a neck. Oh, oh yep, yep, yep. Oh, I remember you did show us that. That's right. It's yes. only on his neck, like like so. Your chin goes down, you know, yeah. and it's just along the neck, and he grew it out long that it would go over his collar. Yeah. It's I bet, so weird. I bet he loved Star Wars. And by that I mean, like most Star Wars fans, hated Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so the two were married in 1836, but they actually took no honeymoon. Horace actually opted to go to Washington, D.C. instead to observe Congress in session and then went straight back to New York to get back to work. So he didn't even take his wife? Uh, no. Take no my wife, or- please. <laughs> he quickly became involved in politics, writing in support of the Whig Party. He actually became good friends and allies with New York publisher and politician, who we mentioned in the Arthur episode, mm-hmm. Thurlow Weed. I remember that guy. Uh, yeah. Puff, puff, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Together with Weed, they helped get William H. Seward elected as New York governor. And later with this alliance of Seward and Weed, this would happen a little later, but Greeley would actually fill a vacancy in the House of Representatives for three months. And it kind of pissed everybody off because (laughs) instead of like trying to work there, he just he just kept throwing all the hypocrisies of Congress out. Like, you'd stand and, like, give, like, these speeches about, like, how they're all fucking up and how they all need to, like, do better and shit like that. Uh, and everyone's like, can you just get out of here, man? You weren't even elected. Don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions. 
yeah. So they, they they couldn't they couldn't deal with the fact that Horace was being pretty rock and roll about this whole situation. <laughs> kind of, I guess. He's like, fuck you! I see through your ruse, man. Yeah. Wake yeah. up, sheeple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He was very much involved in the 1840 election of William Henry Harrison. Horace wrote the political songs for Harrison and Tyler on their ticket in his publication, Log Cabin, which had a far and wide circulation. And you can actually look these songs up on YouTube. Oh, I bet they're good. Oh, my God, they are bad. (laughs) Like, ridiculously bad. There's no way they aren't. Yeah, it's bad. Did it used Uh, to be a practice where people would run it for office and they would come up with songs for that purpose? Yeah. Because now they just play some fucking dumb rock song that somebody gives a cease and desist for. Right, they're on some Springsteen or, you know, they put on the YMCA song and then I have to be constantly thinking about the fact that I've never had a good meal at a YMCA. I've never had a meal (laughs) at a YMCA. If there's no lyrics in that song about how, like, there's an overchlorinated pool or some guy's looking in your locker and you're like, how'd you get in there? I put a lock on it. Like, that's not in the song. Uh, I don't think the meals are for you, Tyler. Yeah, I think the meals are a metaphor for gay stuff. <laughs> I think they, like, help homeless populations is what they do. Uh, so the very next year, Greeley would open his most famous uh, publication, the one that he was actually known for, the New York Tribune. Ah, and that's the one that's still around. Uh, sort of. Sort God of, damn it. Sort of. Horace Greeley was the one to write the famous editorial Go West, Young Man. You ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he I, basically is, like, encouraging people to go west and seek yeah. their fortunes in the west because of economic stagnation yeah. in the east. And, He's like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go, but you totally yeah. should. Yeah. Do, do you think that the Pet Shop Boys were uh, inspired to write <laughs> Go West? Because of this editorial? Yes. No, yes, I do. Tom Waits was. Yeah. Well, they actually, both those songs were written because uh, because they, it was due to economic stagnation. And they are like, we got to get this economy going again. Come on, Pet Shop Boys. We got to go west. And yeah. Tom Waits was like, we got to get this economy going again. <laughs> you know? that, is, yeah. that is a direct quote from Tom Waits, yes. <laughs> they wrote it. Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, you can it phonetically. <laughs> uh, I love Tom Waits. I love Tom Waits. You, you guys know this. Yeah, no, Tom Tom Waits is great. It's just too bad that he sounds like he ate a bunch of gravel and uh, washed it down with whiskey. No, I feel like that's uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's like you know it's a Tom Waits song. You could never yeah. heard it in your life, but yeah. it's Tom Waits' song. There's no, it's not like, who is this, John Bon Jovi? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's clearly Tom Waits. Oh my God, can you imagine Tom Waits doing a cover of Living on a Prayer? I would oh. listen to that. Or, yeah. or Wanted Dead or Alive. <laughs> I would listen to both of those. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, now, the paper, as many of his papers, uh, started off as an unprofitable money pit with Horace sinking more and more of his own money into it uh, than what it was bringing in. Uh, sometimes he even borrowed money from rich financiers. It's like starting uh, a restaurant. Yeah, it, did, it wasn't going well. Just wait until he owns a house. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Henry J. Raymond started uh, 
his storied career off at the New York Tribune as Greeley's chief assistant. And uh, Raymond, he would go, he would later go on and found a little paper called the New York Times. Ah, mm. the, oh, yeah. lying, the lying fake news New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this time it was a Republican paper. So there oh. This Horace, is before or after the switch? This is clearly before. Horace wanted the Tribune to have everything. He wanted literature, politics, but most importantly, he wanted it to be a national paper rather than a local paper. And they didn't really have national papers back then. How are you going to get them everywhere? Why don't they use the internet? The railroad. (laughs) Some some guy falls off a horse and was like, I was hit in the back by by engines. And he like falls. He's like, here's your newspaper, sir. It's like, that's worth it. You know, well, and they, you know, they drop them off at towns, and you buy them at general stores and things like that. Okay, there's, well, you know, like in Red Dead, the the town crier kid, mm-hmm. and he know? comes out and he goes, "Extra, extra, yeah, read all, read about, all it. about it." Yeah, it's like, yeah, they they robbed a, they, 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 he mentions missions he already did. Yeah, it's kind exactly. Of cool. Yeah. Oh, so like newsies? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Flipping around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Just, you know newsies flipping around. Flipping around. <laughs> Great um, gymnasts, those newsies. Yeah. I'm thinking of Spider Man. My bad. There you go. Mm. <laughs> the Tribune would be one of the first papers to have a full time correspondent in Washington D.C. to cool. report on the. Know, goings on of the government. No shit. Uh, he, yeah, he even hired Karl Marx <laughs> as a foreign correspondent that wrote so many articles for the New York Tribune. Uh, He's like, Karl Marx. Things aren't That's going cool. so good over here, and the reason why is because the means of production aren't controlled by the proletariat. I'm like, let me, let me, let, let me tell you, let me tell you, and it just turns into the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> like every, every time he's like giving us his like foreign correspondence, it, it, it's like it's sunny over here, but no, co- no communism yet, and there should be communism, and let me tell you why. Yeah, we're all Republicans here. How about you? Yeah, <laughs> that's what would happen in this time. <laughs> oh my God, uh, Horace Greeley actually. He conducted the first interview ever with Brigham Young. He actually went all the way to Salt Lake City to do that. The Mormon uh, guy. Yeah, 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 the Mormon leader. I like, we'll, we'll do a whole episode on Brigham Young. One I really day. like how uh, that's an interesting group of people to keep. Karl Marx and Brigham Young. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. He, this dude, yeah, he, he even said, like, if you don't agree totally with Karl Marx, he has ideas to say and you need mm-hmm. to listen to them. You know, sure, I mean? he was sure. kind of... Like an intellectual idealist, basically. Well, and also, like, back then it was so hard to get an interview with Brigham Young because you had to take a box and prop it up with a stick and put a 12-year-old girl underneath it. (laughs) 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 Oh, that is perfect. Yeah, fuck that guy. He was a really bad person. Yeah, he was horrible. Yeah, he was. Price for a yearly subscription of the New York Tribune was two bucks a year. For a year, yeah. Two dollars. Yeah, I think it's around fifteen bucks for Ugh. a whole year. What am I made of money? <laughs> Fuck, dude! Like last year, I got a year subscription of the New York Times for Liz, and it was a hundred bucks, hundred fifty. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, two bucks for a year. Two bucks for a year. Well, I mean, Which like, again, fifteen two bucks, bucks wasn't necessarily like that. Uh, worth at what, the time. Two bucks I would say today. it would have been highway robbery if there were highways yet. I think so, there are. There you go. Well, there were, but they just, you know, not, just not really. 
you can't have highways without highway men. Well, yeah, they got like a. <laughs> <is> true. <laughs> they got like a boot, you know. They got like a boot with like a derringer in it. I don't know, like maybe a mask. <laughs> yeah, those three things. They got those things. <laughs> Boom, highwaymen. Yeah. Yeah. Shaking people down or trying to just get to the next city to make a life yeah. for themselves. They're like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock over this this uh, newspaper, you know, carriage and stay informed and keep my friends yeah. informed by sharing with them. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a noble pursuit. Horace was always a loud voice in the north for abolition. And oh. the civil liberty uh, for all men, and men being uh, key there. Uh, not a lot of people were for women's suffrage just yet. So it's sort yeah, of he was like, for, yeah, they were he was like... for male suffrage, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for black male suffrage. Hmm. He opposed any slave state joining the Union, uh, because back then, you know, it could switch, you know, the way the country voted, and it could really fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. So he opposed all those slave states that were going to join the Union. He railed against uh, the federal and state government corruption, which was rampant during this time. You don't say. Good thing um, that's over. Yeah, it was pretty bad during this era. Uh, it's kind of this era is sort of known for its corruption. Hmm. Got to drain that swamp. Yeah, but soon Greeley's New York Tribune was the most read publication in circulation, second only to the Bible. Mm. Oh, fucking wow. shit. Yeah, his most, yeah, Horace Greeley was the most red man in America. He was a celebrity. Absolutely, he was. So, yeah, he definitely had some pull with the American people. He could definitely sway opinion. So, Horace Greeley wrote editorials and opinions on nearly every political issue. And this actually kind of came back to bite him later when he did eventually run for president. Because the thing is, is like, you know, politicians, they don't like to answer questions, right? Like, they don't like to go, are you for this or are you not for that? Well, with Greeley, he's written about literally every political issue on the spectrum, and he has written opinions on everything. Right. So it was already there. It, you know, people definitely knew where he stood, which was sort of a good thing, and it was great for selling papers, but it hurt him when he ran. You know yeah. what I mean? And he had some controversial opinions. Uh, he kind of did. Honestly, no, one of them was his favorite sexual position being girl on top. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah, was very bad. progressive for the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was only two two ways beforehand uh, that people uh, adopted and thought were were okay, and that was normal and missionary. What's yeah. normal? What's normal? Uh, doggy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always called missionary original recipe. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, yeah. From Tyler. Plain That's a Tyler joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially considering that hindsight is twenty twenty, he wrote a lot of things that are contradictory to look at now. But this happens a lot today as well. So, like, you know, one day he would write this whole editorial that was like against this one thing, and then things would happen, and then he'd sort of have a changed mind about it, right? Right. I can't and wait till. I can't wait till this podcast is listened to like a long time from now, and people are like, "Man, that Chris guy sure was uh, an idiot." When <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, you run for president, I know. <laughs> he would consider himself more radical than Lincoln, although he supported him as sort of a second choice after his friend uh, William Seward. So, like Seward was going for the nomination, Lincoln got it because he was more 
a little bit more moderate. And he was kind of a dark horse candidate, Lincoln was, famously. And actually, Lincoln uh, gave Seward a cabinet position to make sure he couldn't actually run against him uh, when he eventually did go for re-election. Solid move. Smooth move. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. He didn't go up against Lincoln, man. He comes out and he says, you know, four-score log cabin. (laughs) Yeah. Need I say more? Also, He came out of nowhere. He came out of nowhere. I mean, in retrospect. um, So, you know... He was also I'm, like I'm nine feet tall. <laughs> he fixed racism. He ended it. Yeah. Lincoln did, from my understanding, and it never existed yeah. again. And and yeah, uh, Lincoln's brand of republicanism was a particular kind. And Horace Greeley was actually the man who coined the name Republican. Mm. He was the man that actually called the Republican Party the Republican Party. Mm. Huh. So there you go. That's where the name comes from. But when Lincoln was a Republican, were the values of the party, uh, you know, fiscal conservatism, small government? um... We're going to get there. We're actually going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how the, yeah, we'll we'll talk about taxes and tariffs. Oh. And about how those two things are opposite now. Taxes and tariffs are super interesting, like in the first uh, Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Episode one. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, you should know about it because that's... That is where it shifts. Yeah, you should know it, about it because it's in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm, what what are the kidding. stakes of your space opera? They're blockading the primary trade route. How are these people supposed to get dietary space supplements? Yeah. Spices. <laughs> spices. <laughs> like, space blood. And not, not dune spices, just regular ones, you know, like yeah. turmeric and then black pepper to activate it. It's really all Horace Greeley's like, nuh-uh. How's Naboo going to get its fucking turmeric and black pepper? Yeah. So did you guys notice in episode one that the blockade is only on one side of the entire planet? Yeah. Like, guys. Even watching Mandalorian. It's it's, it's, it's 360s. You can go I'm up, pretty down, sure. on the opposite side. Like, and, and I love Mandalorian. I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure they don't understand how space works at all. I mean, it's run by Disney execs. What do you expect? Greeley did support Lincoln, uh, but Greeley liked to put pressure on Lincoln to be more radical than he actually was. When war broke out, Greeley initially wanted the South to basically fuck off. Like, if they want us to secede, let them. Let them. We'll abolish slavery here. They can go fuck themselves. Why not? You know? Right. He wanted abolition more than to keep the Union together. And this is something that basically he and Lincoln disagreed on. And Horace wrote a letter addressed to Lincoln that was printed in the Tribune that basically asked Lincoln to hold up, like he's basically asking him what the holdup was on abolition. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, you promised to do this, now do it. You know what I mean? Legal, you know, you have to make slavery illegal. You have to do all of these things. How come you're not doing it? You need to, you know, make good on your promises. And he also said that the South can go fuck themselves, basically. Right. Anyway, uh, this was called <laughs> this was called uh, the Prayer for Twenty Millions. Is what this letter was called. So Lincoln artfully and skillfully responded with this now very famous letter that was printed in a competing paper, which is fantastic. Oh dear. So, <laughs> this is addressed directly to Horace Greeley. This is fantastic. This is a great letter. August 22nd, 1862. 
Honorable Horace Greeley. Dear Sir, I have just read yours of the 19th. He's talking about the letter. Addressed to myself through the New York Tribune. If there be in it any statements or assumptions of fact which I may not know to be erroneous, I do not now or here controvert them. If there be in it any inferences which I may believe to be falsely drawn, I do not now and here argue against them. It's basically being like, look, man, I'm not going to fucking argue with you, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going right. to tell you this right here and now, you know? And yeah, listen to his the choice of words that he uses because we already know basically what happens. If there be perceptible in it an impatient and dictatorial tone... I wave it in deference to an old friend whose heart I have always supposed to be right. As to the policy I, quote, seem to be pursuing, as you say, I have not meant to leave anyone in doubt. I would save the Union. I would save it the shortest way under the Constitution. The sooner the national authority can be restored the nearer the Union will be the Union as it was. If there be those who would not save the Union, unless they could at the same time save slavery, I do not agree with them. If there would be those who would not save the Union, unless they could at the same time destroy slavery, I do not agree with them. My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union and is not either to save or to destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps to save the Union. And what I forbear, I forbear because I do not believe it would help save the Union. I shall do less whenever I shall believe what I'm doing hurts the cause, and I shall do more whenever I shall believe doing more will help the cause. I shall try to correct errors when shown to be errors, and I shall adopt new visions so fast as they shall appear to be true views. I have here stated my purpose according to my view of official duty, and I intend no modification of my oft-expressed personal wish that all men everywhere could be free. Yours, A. Lincoln. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it could have been. It was just A. Lincoln. It could have been any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Any Lincoln. (laughs) But what Greeley and the rest of the nation didn't know as they read this letter is that sitting on Abraham Lincoln's desk as he wrote this was a draft of the Emancipation Proclamation that he was going to sign into law. So do you think, I mean, based off what he's saying, like, essentially saving the unions first, uh, freeing the slaves is good, but... Yeah, is is next. It's secondary, essentially, to that idea. So do you feel that he he views that uh, abolition is the key to saving the unions? Yes, and that, because he's letting his action after this letter comes out speak for what his actual beliefs are. Yeah, that's kind of uh, a... It's masterful, masterful. Yeah, it's kind of a ballsy move being like, I got a, I got this shit on my desk, I ain't going to tell you about it yet. 
Yeah, exactly. Just wait till I drop my next mixtape. Yeah. Called the Emancipation I mean, Proclamation. <laughs> mixtape. Yeah. Thanks. Basically, you're right. It's essentially his own fucking mixtape, but, like, not only was that well written and the Emancipation Proclamation, but the, uh, uh, I believe it's called the Lysum Address, or Lysum mm-hmm. Address. Fuck, talk about, like, some some chilling, beautiful writing that he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he was a very gifted writer and, and, and storyteller and everything. He liked to tell jokes a lot. Lincoln? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Greeley was pretty much a thorn in the side of any politician that didn't 100% agree with him on every issue. Like Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, he would hound them at every turn, including Andrew Johnson, whom he supported uh, the impeachment and removal of, although the removal actually never happened. He even urged that the Union be nice to the surrendering Confederates and wanted to prove that there needed to be a sense of humanity and forgiveness towards the Confederates, uh, which was a very controversial opinion at the time. Don't worry, guys. You guys are going to have a movie that people think is way better than it is. It's going to be based (laughs) on a book that's way better than people say, or that's way worse than people say it is, but for some reason it's a classic. You guys want some statues? You guys can have some statues. It won't be a problem like 100 years from now. So, yeah. (laughs) That's a a story for a different day. The statues are a story for a different day. That, That was a 20th century thing. Yeah, so there, there were two ideas in the Republican camp, basically, that we needed we, – we just fought a war against the Confederacy, and because we're successful, we have to make them do what the fuck we want them to do. You know, we fought this war for a reason. And then there was others that were like, look, we beat them. We burned their city to the goddamn ground, you know, a couple of them. Let them just go back to being states. And it's like, well, that doesn't fix anything. <laughs> you know? Right. You're going to promise? And they're like, eh. <laughs> you know? It's the equivalent of getting spanked by dad. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little, only there was a war, you know? So it's, it's like after a war. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, Horace went so far as to post bail for Jefferson Davis, yeah. the Confederate president. He, he got a bunch of money together, like, and not a small amount of change. Like, it was a lot of money. And they posted it, and he promptly fled the country to avoid a trial. Oh, yeah. regular Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I believe Kyle Rittenhouse fled to a Walmart. Um, <clears throat> they still have <laughs> yeah. So Horace Greeley believed that the only way to get the South back into the Union peacefully was to have a lenient Reconstruction policy, but he also wanted full autonomy for black citizens. He's like... Promise that you'll treat them equally and we'll all be hunky dory. And it's like, Horace, that's not gonna fucking work. <laughs> you know, they're not just gonna go, okay. <laughs> you know. You see, I, I think the only way that Horace would have been able to do that, uh, you know, for everyone to get along hunky dory, is uh, he was in on the monitor and just threatened everybody who wouldn't get in line. Right. And, and would just get fucking blown up from the monitor. This, oh, yeah. Right, right. I, uh, I I like the scenario where uh, he's like, "Promise, promise, you guys are gonna be nice to all all these all these black guys and girls because they're my friends." 
He's like, all right, I, I told them all. They all said that they promised that they're going to be nice to him. And then like 15 minutes later, come on, guys, you promised. <laughs> I mean, it's not far off, honestly, because there was a 10% policy. Whereas if you were 10%, you know, you accepted the, the Constitution and all the new amendments that they put through, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, then you could come back and you said, yeah, I'm part of the United States, you know, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could come back. 10% policy. And a lot of states, like, kind of got on it, but a few states were slower than others. Yeah. That was like, because um, of the inbreeding. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same with, like, the end of segregation. Right. Where right. it's, like, technically, like, I think it was 1956 where it was officially over, but, right. y- you know, things yeah. take a minute. Yeah. And, and yeah, this, this view was, was very much against, like, the Republican establishment uh, political views at the time. Uh, he actually ran unsuccessfully for Congress in 1866 as he started to side more and more with the radical Republicans. And there oh, were, the radical, the radical right. Re- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the radical Republicans were a little different. We'll, we'll see. Like, these, these parts of the Republican Party will pop up and then just disappear. And pop up and disappear. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what marks this time. So during the Grant years, Greeley separated more and more with the candidate he once half-heartedly supported. Uh, so he joined with the Liberal Republican Party that formed to oppose Grant and the rampant uh, corruption in the Grant presidency. Yeah, it, it was basically the two things were basically anti-Grant and light reconstruction policy. Those are their two things. Mm-hmm. So he was Antigra. Ah, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. That's I'm good. here all night. <laughs> T- tip yeah. your bartenders. Feel bad being Grant and everyone's anti you, you know? Well, he's definitely <laughs> going to get the nomination. I mean, he's he, he won easily the first time he was elected. He's going to win or he's going to get the, uh, the nomination again. When he wins, is he going to be like, wish granted? He like walks out. <laughs> Super he actually was—he actually was a very shy person, not a good sp- uh, public speaker at all. He was not very witty at all either. No, uh, he was an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> uh, so in 1871, Greeley was nominated as the candidate for the Liberal Republican Party, along with Missouri Governor. Benjamin Gratz Brown as his running mate. And it started off well, uh, because Greeley was a famous household name. And the Democratic Party, they basically looked at Greeley's soft policy towards the South, you know, wanting to end the military occupation and general amnesty towards uh, some of the old Confederates. And of course, he was anti-Grant. And they knew they weren't going to win any sort of election being Democrats. So what they did is they actually ne- never picked a candidate. They actually opted to put all their support behind Greeley. Well, there so, you go. Mm. So it's a Republican against liberal Republican. Interesting. Uh, there is no Democrat candidate. There was guys that were like, I'm a Democrat and I'm running. And they're like, yeah. Whatever, Fuck you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're with Greeley. And uh, yeah. we're, we're all down with uh, Auntie Grant's big old house of fun. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but it was all downhill from there. That was like the best it looked, honestly, for for Greeley. 
He was trashed in a competing newspaper, Harper's Weekly, by the famed political cartoonist and satirist Thomas Nast. Oh, it's so nasty. So, Thomas. Tyler, when you talked earlier about like the fat, you know, the cartoons about like the fat cats and stuff like that, that was Thomas Nast that drew those. Thomas Nast, yeah. not Thomas Nast. Nash. Yeah. No, not me. You're like, I'm sick of people thinking I'm, you know, a 19th century um, political <laughs> satirist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he railed against Greeley's waffling on opinions on the South, and he was harsh towards his soft reconstruction policy. He actually depicted Greeley shaking hands with the ghost of John Wilkes Booth over the grave of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's a so hard. Is, man. That's, that's a, awesome. Yeah, that's oof. <laughs> you know, that cuts I, uh, deep. That's some solid uh, editorial cartoon. I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I bet you there was like one where uh, there was like a there was an old oak tree and it said Horace Greeley under it, and then it's waving back and forth in the wind, and then there's two two cats in suits with monocles saying, "Any way the wind blows." Do you understand what I'm saying, my man? And uh, that's how they got him. Yeah. I'm telling you, Tommy, you got to become a political Really read it, he slammed his fist on the table, and he's like, you get me that nast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the opening of Citizen Kane. Yeah. Where, like, the guy keeps reading the articles and, like, pulling the paper down and, like, scold, like staring and scolding into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dang it. You call this satire? I call it nasty. Nice. <laughs> and that's where the word came from. Yeah. yeah. Thomas Nast is going to pop up a lot in episodes we do, so cool. there you go. Is that because he has almost the same name as you? No, it's because he, he was very famous during this era. I didn't actually think sure. that was the reason. <laughs> also, yeah. people who know you as Jerry are very confused right now. They are very confused. I am both Tom and Jerry, guys. Yeah. What do you think of that? He did some things he's uh, not very proud of, and he's had to go under an alias uh, on account of the mistakes that he's made early on his, in his career. So, yeah. but, but we believe in second chances here on <laughs> back, back when he ran for uh, mayor uh, of Emmett, Idaho. Yeah. Oh, it was so horrible. I was run out of town on a rail. <laughs> <laughs> you were too far uh, right for them. Old, old-timey ways. Uh, pump harder, me. <laughs> <laughs> but there was another problem with Greeley's campaign, though. His running mate, Benjamin Gratz Brown, was a raging alcoholic. Nice. One of us. <laughs> he got trashed and gave an incoherent political speech at Yale. And he also puked that night, like, in front of everybody. <laughs> During the speech, Again, it or sounds just... like us. <laughs> Sounds like uh, us at one of the bars. It sounds like me at a bar. That's badass, go. and it's a story I would tell everyone if I did that. It's yeah. like, oh, I went up well, we, and I fucking gave that speech blackout drunk and puked in front of everybody. It was hilarious. <laughs> it just, I can't wait for us to be able to do live shows when this whole COVID thing's over. That's, that's, that's like, pretty much, that's what, I, that's what immediately We're all just like blackout drunk, like. Puking on the stage. Yeah, it's, it's like a bucket. replacement show. Do the fucking mop bucket. Yeah. Just have a uh, bunch of them ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he said it was, it must have been something I ate. 
is what he would say. Yeah, Unless booze. Somebody... I've also used that excuse before. Yeah. What the heck was in that whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> I think there was alcohol in that whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I've been poisoned by my constituents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was there was almost there uh, there was also rumors that he was so shit faced that he was seen at a party buttering a watermelon. That actually sounds delicious. <laughs> I've done weird shit. Know, I don't know if that's like an acquired taste or if he actually was so shit-faced that he was doing that. I mean, I, I cut a traffic cone in half with a box knife wearing an ill-fitting suit, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And, and it was also while he was a presidential frontrunner, so. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is in 2008. I was right, scandal. right behind Obama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he turned out to be a total embarrassment for Greeley. And this was actually the same election that Victoria Woodhull, the first woman to ever run for president, uh, ran, as well as Frederick Douglass, the first black yeah. man to run for the vice presidency. They ran on the same ticket. Right. Uh, yeah. And so so basically it's not illegal for her to run. It's illegal for her to vote. I know. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, and my my oh understanding my was like uh, Victoria Woodhull, she was doing that kind of like not just making a farce out of it, just being like, well, it was more along the lines of like, look at how fucking absurd this is. I can't vote, but I can yes. run uh, yeah. as president. Yeah, yes. it's like it a was protest a run. Statement. Like, yeah. 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 She got arrested for publishing an obscene newspaper uh, the All day right, before election go. day. <laughs> was it called uh, Big Naturals? No, it was talking about how, it was talking about women's suffrage. <laughs> They're uh-huh. like, it's obscene. It's obscene. <laughs> Tossed her in jail. Women's I, rights. Women should vote. And they're like, ew. Yeah. We don't, uh, women are allowed to run for president, but not have rights. No. Susan B. Anthony was also arrested during this election for trying to vote. And she was later fined $100. It's a lot of money back then. That's right. Uh, I mean, that wouldn't it technically be voter fraud since it was illegal? Yeah. Somebody's not a registered voter? Yeah, she was. that's what she was. I'm not saying for. it's right. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yep. <laughs> so you could get fifty subscriptions to the newspaper with that. Fine. <laughs> I would like fifty. Like a lot more than that. I, I I have a real question to ask. Um, and, and this may sound obscene, but I genuinely am curious. Do you think that there was like a women's suffrage kink that some people had? Like they thought that that was like like the 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 most like kinkiest sexy thing. Oh, they're gonna get out there and they're gonna uh, vote. They're gonna vote so I, good. They're gonna I, show I off their calves. I, d- I doubt it. Zach, uh, absolutely it. yes. They're gonna grab that lever like, with both hands and, you know, and they're gonna pull Lincoln. Yeah. No. You know no. Uh, you know the, there was like politicians at the time who were super against uh, women voting. Who they would be yeah. be like, oh, pretend to vote now, yeah, yeah, vote with my dick. <laughs> you can always Christ. point out those guys because they were like, oh no, no they're perverts. What if no. I was the voting machine and the lever was my penis? Yeah, and no, only no, women no, no. come into the voting station. <laughs> and they're like, so I'm so just saying, the hypocrisy. <laughs> it's very progressive. The hypocrisy of, of these politicians is that's all I'm pointing out. I'm not trying I to know, make a joke I'm, about women. Yeah. They're trying to get canceled. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm making, uh, I'm making fun of people who. I'm making a joke about, about how uh, dudes are weird, gross, horny, horny monsters, and anything that yeah. they could turn into a kink, they will. 
Yeah. No, yeah. I bet there were yeah. people who were like roll thirty four basically. I'm with uh, Zach. That's real. I guarantee it. I don't. I don't okay. know if there was a lot of uh, suffragettes that were into that. <laughs> oh no! I'll tell you that it probably <laughs> wasn't. It was exactly. probably. It was probably one yeah. of those like, uh, in modern terms, one of those like, uh, you know, Republican uh, board housewives who's cheating on their husband with the senator and being like, "Yeah, I'm voting. Look at me vote with your dick." That's what it was. <laughs> Nobody was. <laughs> supporting of it in that those circles they're all a bunch of hypocrites fuck them all and their perversions uh, let me get into your ballot box baby yeah Jesus it's where the word I'm box comes you. from something, something about a cock <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the week before election day however Horace's wife Mary passed away uh, and he he plunged into despair and cut off his whole campaign. On top of that, when he returned to the Tribune, there was a plot to remove him from his own paper. And so Horace suffered from insomnia and was admitted to the, I don't know how to really pronounce this, somebody's going to correct me on this, Cho, Chowat, Chowat House or Chowate House? Cho. I don't know. I thought you were going to be like... Uh, Cho- I'm going to get murdered. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Mental hospital. <laughs> uh, it was a private, small mental hospital. Yes, it was. Arkham. Um, Dr. Dr. George Cho or Choa, Choate or however the hell it's pronounced uh, ran the place. But his condition worsened uh, and he eventually passed away before the electoral votes could be counted. He died before the election <laughs> was was over with, which oh, is insane. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I what mean, if he I won? mean, well, right. I mean, we wouldn't know. You well, know, we it's like know when what to do. fucking Trump got COVID. We were kind of like, right. is he going to survive yeah. to the election? Yeah. Uh, then they pumped I mean, him Grant, up on Regeneron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Grant won by a landslide, so there's no real mystery as to who won. But Greeley's paltry 66 electoral votes to Grant's 286. Now, you only needed 177 back then to win. That was Uh, a landslide. He got slaughtered in that election. I mean, he was dead, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't die before the election. He died before the votes could be counted. Oh, so this was these votes for Grant. These were the votes from before he died. It wasn't like a yes. the, electoral, yes. the, the electoral college like revoted or anything. This was from no. before. Wow. But yeah, between election day and the all the votes being totally counted, he died. I think he died on purpose to avoid the embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's my hot take. From lead poisoning, if you know what I mean. No, no, no. <laughs> a lead pipe. Uh, Biden got more votes than but, Grant. Just putting that out there. But it was it was decided that the votes would be split to some third party candidates: Thomas Hendricks, Benjamin Gratz Brown, the running mate. Uh, some people, there, I think there was one elector that was like, "No, I still vote for Greeley," and they're like, "Okay, whatever, shut up, man." And like, oh, so they, they <laughs> moved sp- on when they yeah. So when they revoted, they just kind of well, they just split them up between who was left. Basically, they didn't. Mm. Did they get to choose? Like, did some of them pick Grant or? Some of them made sure they didn't pick Grant, but some of them made sure that they steered their electoral vote towards somebody else. You know what I mean? That's how they were kind of divided. Otherwise, they were divided pretty 
evenly. There was a couple of people that kind of raised a stink about it. But Grant, 286, I mean, Jesus They're like, he got 286, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. There's people that, like, wanted their vote to be on record, which I totally get, so... And now we've all forgotten yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 Until well, I mean, now. Way to go, protest vote. Nobody <laughs> yeah. cares after the fact. Yeah. It's like, they're uh, gonna make a movie about me someday. <laughs> I'm the one guy who used his electoral vote as a protest against Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah. I'm gonna be a hero in this country. <laughs> I simply can't vote Grant. Nice. It's like the people who voted for Jill Stein in, in 2016. Sure. Heroes, all of them. Yep. Right. Uh, See, may, may, maybe this is uh, why uh, they, they should have started to implement preferential voting. But, I mean, that's just me. Yeah. Well, yeah. There. I mean, this is definitely a time of growing pains in American history. Oh, you mean uh, right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure, too. Uh, oh, no, this is the end. This is death yeah. throws. <laughs> this is, uh, uh, anyway, the, anyway, the, let me the, continue. The great experience uh, experiment that was the U.S. is coming to yeah. an end. Yeah, yeah, we're one. We're one tweet away from all-out civil war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all they've got to do is say, "Proud boys, start shooting people," and yeah. they're like, "All right, well, fuck, dude." Like he told us to. Yeah. Yes, a- sir, Mr. President. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So Horace Greeley was buried in Brooklyn's Greenwood Cemetery, and his funeral was attended by many, including his opponent, Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> huh. I'm just I, I'm laughing because of, like, Trump not going to, like, uh, McCain's. McCain's funeral. I feel yeah. like, from what I understand, he probably, I think he wasn't invited. Isn't that correct? Yeah. yeah like, like McCain that. was like, I don't want that guy at my funeral. And I, I don't blame yeah. him. I don't want Trump at my funeral. I like how we just got a civil war here, and people are way more decent about it, less petty about it back then. <laughs> just got right. out of a war. I think, I think just Grant that's... was super petty about it. He was like, uh, you know, I feel like it was just yesterday I won that election against him, you know? You guys remember that? <laughs> it is. It was, yeah. was alive yeah. well and so full of energy, and then I, I won the election, just... and... I, I don't want to say that it's the loss is what killed him, but he's like the last time I the last know. time I met Greeley, I was just beating his ass in the election. And, uh, it really <laughs> yeah. meant a lot to me, and I'm always going to remember that about how badly I defeated him. I'm like, sir, this is a eulogy. This them. is completely inappropriate. Well, yeah. no, seriously, <laughs> I think the I think the political pettiness has hit a fever pitch with Donald Trump. So, oh, yeah. I don't think anybody has been as bad as him in this country. Mm, certainly not. Not certainly yet. Not. Now, despite the hate being thrown at him during his life, especially during the 1872 campaign, a lot of people wrote and published warm letters in memoriam about Greeley, including Harriet Beecher Stowe and other, like, a lot of people wrote about how, you know, they're like, you know, you know, you don't have to agree with that guy, but the shit that that dude believed in, he believed in till the end. You know what I mean? He was, he had integrity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is that what people are going to think about Alex Jones? Some I, people. No. He, he, he believed no. it to the very end. No, that, no. that man is a fear-mongering hack people that also, doesn't actually <laughs> People who know him personally believe he doesn't actually. And he brought that up during yeah. fucking uh, his divorce trial. He's a character. He's a yeah. fucking piece of shit. Fuck that guy. He's, he's like, yeah. I'm like if Stephen Colbert was dangerous and not funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like yeah. he, he believes what he says when it, it benefits him and doesn't when it doesn't benefit him. He doesn't fucking right. stand for anything. 
Fuck Wait, I didn't know we were going to be talking about the Joe, Rog- Joe Rogan experience on here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, we aren't talking about chimpanzees ripping faces off, but we can if you'd like. <laughs> if we could. You, you think <laughs> if it gets us listeners. <laughs> so you're telling me that a race war is a super good idea. That's crazy, man. <laughs> just you like, DMT? He, yeah, yeah. He just, just like he, he lets it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> Joe Rogan. The liberal Republicans dissolved after after this, with a lot of them joining the Democratic Party. However, if Grant's first term was marred by corruption, his second term was much worse. They loved they loved uh, corruption back then. No, oh, yeah. the The biggest one Grant's going to deal with is the Credit Mobilier scandal, <laughs> where like where all of these like he wasn't actually a super corrupt guy, but his cabinet was, and they're all friends of his. But he picked his cabinet. <laughs> He picked his own cabinet, and they're all friends friends of his. They basically got all these kickbacks from these uh, railroad companies to make favorable legislation so they could keep, like, you know, doing what they were doing. That's old-timey hilarious. And, yeah, a guy that makes $4,000 a year has, like, $2 million in the bank. And it's like, what the fuck? Guys, <laughs> you guys promised! Yeah, yeah. He really, he really got in there and drained the swamp, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, this is the swamp. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they needed money so they could put like really <laughs> expensive brandy into like crystal snifters, and then they have like a little table with all their little snifters on it. And whenever yeah. they have a meeting, they go in and they grab one, they pour it in a glass. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rich alcoholism. So at the tail end of his presidency, Grant's popularity was waning, but he wasn't up for re-election. Or at least people told him, dude, you, you shouldn't run for a third term, even though. Like, there was talks of it, you know, in our Garfield episode of, like, Roscoe Conkling trying to, you know. Trying to get him uh, to go again. Right, yeah, and they got close uh, during that one. Well, didn't Conkling be like, wasn't he like, I'm all about Ulysses S. Grant, and then, like, danced on a table and ate a lemon, and everyone was like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, meanwhile, uh, now the Civil War may have ended, but that didn't mean there was a stop to hostilities. Now, although male suffrage was granted to black Americans, it came with heavy caveats in the South. Something called the Black Codes were introduced, which was an anti-vagrancy act is what they called it. But what it basically said was that it was perfectly legal for any white person to press an unemployed black person into any job they saw fit for extremely low wages. Jesus. Which is basically slavery by another name. Right. It's slavery. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, there's so many laws that were like, oh, it's this, but it was specifically targeted. And laws that yeah. still exist in this country that are specifically targeted to punish uh, African Americans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it should have been a dead giveaway because the original name for the Black Codes was like, let's just say it's way worse. It's way worse. <laughs> yeah. right. They actually toned it down. The Jim Crow uh, codes. Uh, this is before that, but I know yeah, that's not black the word you were, were alluding to. Yeah. Tyler. Uh, uh, so white supremacist groups started forming all over the South, comprising of ex-Confederate soldiers uh, like the Red Shirts, the White League, Ku Klux Klan. Well, fuck yeah. them. Yeah, uh, this is when they formed, and yeah. uh, groups like these uh, attacked black schools, churches, and communities. But they saved their most frothing rage for the most offensive thing they could think of. What the Black Coats didn't really cover 
and that was black landowners and business owners. And they're like, oh, they have land and businesses? Oh, no. You know, that was the most offensive thing they could think of. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, well, it's like, uh, I mean, I know it was way later, but the Tulsa massacre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of the same uh, thing. The same it's like, yeah. We can't have them successful the way we're supposed to be successful. That's what the exactly. fucking problem is. Yeah, and yeah, Reconstruction was uh, supposed to be doing this. I'm starting right? to that's, feel that's the whole aim of Reconstruction. I'm starting to feel like that whole Reconstruction thing. They kind of botched it. Well, we'll definitely <laughs> see the the botching of Reconstruction in this episode. Now, these armed racist thugs would bully and threaten people, usually black people, at voting places uh, and voting polls, uh, demanding that they vote the way they wanted. And they burned black-owned homes and establishments and raped and murdered anyone that stood in their way. Their violent propaganda and rhetoric, along with their intimidation tactics, gained them a terrorist organization status in the eyes of the federal government, and rightly so. Yeah. States that were still under military occupation during Reconstruction uh, during this time declared martial law against these types of terrorist groups, Uh, much like uh, what happened after 9-11. You know, anyone suspected of being a part of this group could be arrested. Mm -hmm. Sure. We're going to get them in their caves. We're going to get in those caves and we're going to bust their bunkers. Let's get them, boys. Got on a stallion and yeehaw. Yeah. Right. Uh, George W. Accomplished. With a polarized and literally and figuratively divided country along the Mason-Dixon line, as it was called, rising tensions in the United States were coming to a head in 1876. With the future Reconstruction uncertain and the rampant corruption in the Republican Party, the Democratic Party totally in ruins, uh, in ruins and fractured. Many thought that another civil war could start again. With the war still fresh in everyone's minds, and the Republicans, you know, they couldn't bear the thought of a Democratic president unceremoniously ending the military occupation in the South, effectively handing the reins of the South back over to the ex-Confederates that they had just got gotten done, you know, they just got done fighting a war against. But look on the bright uh, it, side. There was there was a handful of like one-legged, morphine-addicted, you know, veterans. Or like another civil war. That means more morphine. Yum 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 yum. <laughs> and so always a silver lining. Yeah, always yeah. a silver lining. A bottle of whiskey and a saw. Is more like <laughs> I, was about to slam, I was about to slam my hand in a car door. Thank God for this war coming back around. <laughs> <laughs> And the Democrats argued that it was a state's rights issue, and they should, under the Articles of the Constitution, govern themselves. <laughs> I like how uh, people are, uh, you know, some critics of us have said uh, the switch between Republicans and Democrats never happened. Yeah. Uh, despite Democrats yeah, fighting for states' rights. Well, and it goes further than this, too, but this is when the fracture begins, really. In 1876, That was the country's centennial, and a fifth of the population flocked to Philadelphia to see the exposition. It was the 100th birthday party of America, basically. Ah, this this centennial. Yeah, you gotta throw a party. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. It's like the Uh, bicentennial. Yeah. 
Alexander Graham Bell's telephone was there. Uh, Heinz Ketchup was there. Cool. The first typewriter, the Remington Number One, was there. The Kudzu plant to control erosion was there, and and a lot of other stuff was displayed. When you were naming it, you're like Alexander Graham's telephone was there, and I just imagined a telephone like waving at people walking down the red carpet. (laughs) And Heinz Ketchup was there, bottle of ketchup with arms and legs. (laughs) (laughs) This seems right. Yeah. The story of this expo is actually really interesting, too. They actually put Alexander, like, he was late. Alexander Graham Bell was late. And they, because he didn't, he wasn't really planning on going. He should never got they the kind of call. Put, they kind of put him in the back corner, and not a lot of people were seeing it. He <laughs> should have like, called ahead, ahead, you know, on their telephone. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ahoy, ahoy, Alexander Graham Bell back here. <laughs> mean, meanwhile, the guy who he beat out on the patent, you know, the other telephone guy, yeah. he was moving on to new inventions, like a new way to make a noose. <laughs> there was Michael Phone. My, there was Michael, Michael Phone. phone. <laughs> Michael Phone. I thought it was Nick Nokia, but I like uh, yeah, the Michael Phone. He's down there. Nick Nokia is, he's a Greek guy who sells, like, cell phones out of the back of, like, a U-Haul. He's <laughs> like, you want a cell phone? Nick, Nick Nokia. You don't. You, you, you don't want to phone this bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's my Greek <laughs> accent. It's bullshit, man. It's bullshit. I don't even know if that's a good. It's not Greek accurate, but I like uh, enunciating yeah. the wrong word. That yeah. makes you sound foreign. Yeah. Now the only way the Democrats could have any chance of winning was to pick a New York Democrat for their candidate that also wanted to end Reconstruction, much like how Greeley imagined it. So they chose a popular New York governor, Samuel Tilden, uh, and he had solidified his name in taking down an old colleague and corrupt party boss, William Boss Tweed mm-hmm. of the New York Tammany Hall Democratic Political Machine. What? Huh. Which is a story for another day. I, I really want to do Boss We've Tweed. We've been talking about that doing is... that episode for a while. Yeah. By the way, yeah. looking at this picture of Samuel uh, Tilden. Tilden. Uh, he looks like a fucking nerd. I want to ring his throat. <laughs> you know who he looks like? He looks like, uh, Tyler, you've seen Cobra Kai. Yeah. Uh, Hawk before he comes becomes Hawk. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he's a little crybaby because he has a hair lip and everyone makes fun of him. He's like, I need, he's like, I should become an inventor and invent uh, some new nooses, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but he flipped the script, Tyler, and uh, became one of my favorite characters, and kind yeah. of a huge piece of shit, and I love it. He, he's become a total piece of shit. I'm all about that Supreme Court. Cobra Kai, Netflix, Dave, everybody Davis. watch it. Now, although Tilden may have worked with Boss Tweed in the past, he was the one responsible for his ultimate political demise. And his election to governor was sort of a given for that. It really made him kind of a hero in New York for that reason. Samuel Tilden was a quiet, intelligent man by all accounts. Uh, his family were actually makers of something called Tilden's Extract. Ooh. There was a patented medicine derived from cannabis. Oh! <laughs> I, I, thought thought I, was gonna I thought it was going to be semen. I thought it was going to be semen. <laughs> you think like everything's going to be semen. <laughs> but this is the one thing better than semen. Cannabis. Ah. <laughs> So Sam Tilden helped uh, form the anti-slavery wing of the Democratic Party in New York called the Barn Burners. We're going to burn them barns. <laughs> Why is it called that? 
Is it because uh, they were really gassy and it was like they were just hot, nasty farts and they all had them. Once again, a lot of people eating cabbage. We got a lot of slaves living in barns. We're going to burn those barns, but free the slaves first because that would be uh, murder. Yeah. We're the barn burners. Samuel Tillen wasn't a political, like, public dynamo, uh, nor was he a gifted orator, but he was definitely a safe choice. Uh, he was actually a long, uh, lifelong bachelor. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he never married. Thomas Nast actually depicted him in a dress, heavily implying that he was a homosexual. But many biographers since have hypothesized that maybe he was actually asexual, showing no sexual interest in any sex. Honestly, it's <laughs> it probably more likely. And other historians have uh, also... Um, argued that he just liked smashing tons of strange and so he never married. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he never settled down. Realistically, uh, he was probably asexual. Yeah, he, he his interest was in politics and really nothing else. He, he, he was sexually aroused from C-SPAN. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He was sexually aroused by the letter A. <laughs> That's why he got good grades. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I gotta pass this test or else I'm not gonna be able to come. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tilden, a Democrat, blamed high taxes. He wanted uh, lower taxes. He blamed high taxes on the Grant administration for their economic downturn and the panic of 1873 that sent the country into an economic depression, which was called in its day the Great Depression. Just your way. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Before there's another. He was a hard money man, which is basically someone who wanted the currency to be backed by gold or some sort of precious metal, which there was soft money Democrats, too, that there was a whole thing. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on it. And he was also for civil service reform, and that actually crossed party lines. There was a lot of Republicans also like the mugwumps like Garfield and things like this that wanted to get, you know, that wanted civil service reform. And of course we talked about that in, in Arthur and Garfield mm -hmm. when he was chosen unanimously by the Democrats, uh, they chose Thomas A. Hendricks, who was in the Greeley election as well uh, to be his running mate. And he was soft money and it kind of balanced the ticket. So what were they backing? If, if it was a soft, like the soft money guys, what were they backing? Yeah. With? Was it just, I mean, because it was like pre-electronic banking. So you can't, right. and they weren't a huge like import-export country at this, well, I don't think. So like. Well, well uh, they were becoming one. Okay. America was becoming one. And so tariffs became a big issue. You definitely see that later with, especially with Cleveland. Tariffs and all these things became an issue. Soft money, again, it's, it's hard to really describe shortly but based i mean now our money isn't really based on anything it's based off of faith yeah uh faith in the currency you gotta have uh, faith. so if you give it value it has value you know what i mean right so uh. yeah it, it, there there's a lot of things that go into it i don't really want to go into the art we'll we'll do a whole episode where we go into gold standard the silver all that stuff we'll go into later isn't there a modern day uh politician that uh, Trump just put into office that is like a hardcore like gold, gold standard. standard. Yeah. yeah, just a lot of yeah. gold standard. I, I forget her name. That's because the globalists oh. they took away the gold standard so we'd have less buying power. 
Next, they're going to get the vaccine, yeah. and then the 5G towers are going to get the Bill Gates chip going and uh, somehow generate revenue for George Soros based off of ad revenue. I yeah. can't wait. I, the cabal of child I'm going to get that yeah. COVID shot the second they give it to me because I want that chip in my brain. <laughs> I'm tired <laughs> of having my own thoughts. It's a whole There's thing. There's no chip. <laughs> Second, you have your second. opinions, Jerry, and I have mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Rutherford B. Hayes was also a quiet, intelligent man. And although he was a self-described ambitious man, his political career had been a milquetoast one. Rutt, as he was called, was born in Delaware and raised by his mother and his uncle, his mother's brother, because his father actually died before he was born. Did he die in the war? No, no, his father died for a different reason. His whole life, he was well-liked and well-respected and was generally a likable person by pretty much everybody he met. He graduated from Harvard Law School. He had a small practice in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, During the Civil War, he had risen through the ranks and actually became a general. Hayes was wounded multiple times. His horse was actually shot out from under him several times, even twice in the same battle. It's a weird coincidence. is that yeah, such was, a common occurrence that that I I don't know. It's just weird that it happened twice or, in the same battle. They I mean, that's my fucking horse with a cannonball, cannonball, and I'm fucking bounce yeah. off of it. Been fine yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah. And then after that uh, happened, he was in the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was considered by many to be a bona fide war hero, a lot like Ulysses S. Grant or Donald Trump. <laughs> bone yeah. spurs. Bone spurs. <laughs> He's at war with bone spurs his whole life. Yeah. Uh, he actually served a brief stint in the House of Representatives uh, before being elected Ohio governor. Mm. Uh, he was an abolitionist. Uh, he was a teetotaler and a moderate Republican. <laughs> That's dumb. You know, do you know what a teetotaler is? You don't drink alcohol. It means. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally into tea. You. <laughs> you were. <laughs> you. You want to like abolish alcohol, like you don't you don't want it at all. And, and since my um, name's Tyler, I'm taking it and making it my own thing. So if you're down with me, you're a teetotaler. <laughs> yeah. A tea Mitch totaler. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> friend of the show, tea Mitch. Hi, tea Mitch. I'm a tea Mitch totaler. His wife Lucy was nicknamed uh, years after this. She she was the first. She, she was nicknamed Lemonade Lucy because she was a teetotaler. Uh, for, and for the lack of booze that, that was served in the White House during Hayes' presidency. Uh, presidents that uh, don't drink booze. Yeah, she, she was actually the first First Lady to ever graduate from college. Huh. Oh. Yeah. And the last. Yeah. She was also the first First Lady, first lady <laughs> that <was> openly <laughs> in showers. Michelle Obama graduated from college. You, you, you expect me to believe that the first... Uh, first lady in office that uh, graduated from college didn't go to a fucking rush party I, <laughs> I don't believe it for a second <laughs> not de- back then well she definitely went to a rush concert <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah 2112 uh, is her favorite record <laughs> there you go Tom Sawyer high on you just, you know <laughs> foreign dignitaries would actually say uh Actually, there was one that was said, uh, quote, dinner was wonderful. The water flowed like champagne. Uh, <laughs> lamb. Snip, uh, snap. Do you think that uh, Ulysses S. Grant ever was like, 
Lucy, you got some explaining to do? <laughs> yeah. Female suffrage as well, which is really weird. She's like, but yeah, like not. Call me crazy, but I think we shouldn't be able to vote. <laughs> it's like crazy. I'm too crazy to vote. I got. Yeah. They call got me hysteria. He watched me drink this glass of pee. Just kidding. It's lemonade. <laughs> and yeah, this kind of offended foreign dignitaries, you know, because their customs and stuff oh, go with booze. You know, one Russian delegate said that it was the first time he had tasted water in years. <laughs> <laughs> What's on him? Water's good for Russian. you. Also known as Russian water. Now, the Republican uh, convention was a shit show, as always. <laughs> as uh, every Republican uh, convention. <laughs> much, much like in the, the coming decades, Roscoe Conkling, the stalwart from New York, and James G. Blaine of the Radical, at the time, guy from Maine, wouldn't budge on their nominees that they wanted, who were, well, themselves. <laughs> yeah. I nominate me. Yeah. <laughs> so on the seventh ballot, it was decided that they would go with the safest pick, which was Hayes and an attorney, William Wheeler, as his running mate. Well, Conkling didn't uh, want to go with Hayes, and then he found out that his wife was also into lemons, and he's like, well, when life gives you lemons, <laughs> yeah. you gotta exactly. vote Hayes. Yeah. You gotta suck a lemon. He tried to get that on a button, and it was immediately shot down, and, you know. <laughs> Neither candidate actually campaigned themselves for the presidency, as was the tradition for the time. They would actually leave it to town criers and their supporters to spread their, you know, spread their campaign policies, which is kind of kind of crazy. We couldn't re- imagine that at all. I mean, uh, honestly, now. everything you're talking about, even like the Republicans are saying this, the Democrats are saying this. And it was like this is in, like just totally different than anything we're dealing with now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as far as the specifics, but. Right. Right. Yeah. Same problems. Right. Right. Now, considering the rising tensions in the nation, uh, many speeches in support of either side would be called, it is this type of po- uh, politicking called waving the bloody shirt, which meant that they should remember that, this was a saying of the time, not every Democrat was a Confederate, but every Confederate was a Democrat. Yeah. And to, quote, vote the way they shot. Damn. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. This was this was a hairy time. You know, people were looking down the barrel of another civil war. A lot of people thought there was going to be another civil war. So Sounds what like you're saying is all the, the barrel was... of a lot more than that. So what you're saying is uh, the South at the time were predominantly Democrat. Well, and, you know, the Republicans, regardless of which fracturous part of the Republican Party you were on at the time, uh, they considered all Democrats the same, and Democrats considered all Republicans the same. <laughs> you know? yeah. So there you go. Just like now. So on Election Day in 1876, in the highest voter turnout in American history of 81%, oh. which is crazy, Yeah, it was looking like Tilden was carrying the popular vote and probably had enough electoral votes to win. And both Hayes and Tilden went to bed on election night thinking that Tilden had won. Hayes himself even graciously conceded to Tilden before 
uh, frantic wires from the Republican headquarters told him to stop doing that. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> and I'll explain why here in a second. <laughs> so on election night, the returns weren't looking great for the Republicans. And uh, Zachariah Chandler, the chairman of the Republican Party, actually, he went to bed with a bottle of whiskey that night <laughs> as his only companion, is what they said, depressed at, the, at, at looking at the returns. His wife went to go stay with their mother. That's all I was going to say. Have fun nice. with your bottle of whiskey, Zacharias. Taking the kids. In Zachariah. A, Zachariah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the kids and I'm staying at my sister's house. Yeah. Zachariah Chandler, uh, you know, going to bed with a bottle of whiskey is like me uh, throughout every day of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, you're like uh, Zagreus uh, fucking Matthew Perry or whatever uh, going to bed <laughs> Put with whiskey Perry. is like me every night. I just repeated uh, your actually, joke. I just wanted to call him Zagreus Matthew Perry. <laughs> Look, I mean, baby wants his baba. That's all I'm going to say. He's like, could I be any more depressed and drunk? Because, you know. <laughs> could I be any more losing this election? Yeah. yeah. In a strange twist of fate, a famed Civil War general, Dan Sickles, who I actually want to do a whole episode on. He's fascinating. He actually had a peg leg. Cool. Um, cool. Uh, he was actually, he was living... He was leaving the late show of a play, and he decided to pass by Republican headquarters. And he kind of found it empty, and he's like, what the fuck? This is election night. And he goes in, and they're like, oh yeah, Zachariah Chandler, he went to bed with a bottle of whiskey, nothing's going on, it's not looking good. And so he started, like, you know, looking around at the returns and stuff, and he's like, this is, none of this is certain here, you know? And he, he found out that the New York Times got a message that from the Democrats that were like, hey, show us your results. And the New York Times that was starting to call it for Tilden, they were like, wait, they don't know? Yeah. Oh, shit. Let's stop saying anything. And, like, they started like, uh, wait a minute, and shit started to, to go down. Huh. But, yeah, Sickles, just a couple of quick things about Sickles. He had a peg leg, a cannonball tore his leg off during the war. Sweet. Uh, he actually murdered uh, Francis Scott Key's son or nephew or something like that in broad daylight. Yeah, like, first time our spangled splatter. Yeah, he was <laughs> sleeping with his wife or something. <laughs> and uh, I mean, fair. He he killed him in broad daylight, and uh, he was the first person to ever claim temporary insanity in a court case, huh. and he won. Cool. He's like, I still yeah. have to kill him, but anyway, I'm still temporarily insane. So Sickles realized about at the time uh, the New York Times did, which was a Republican paper at the time, they both realized that it looked like Tilden was ahead, but no one, uh, not even the Democratic Party, was certain. And what happened was is uh, the Democratic Party called up the New York Times, and they were like, give us your results. And the New York Times that was already like ready to call it for Tilden, they were like, wait a minute. They don't know. <laughs> they're like, maybe, maybe this is still in the air. Maybe this is still contested. Like, let's figure this shit out. Everybody at casual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, you remember? So there's essentially one dude who's like, right away, be like, yeah, I won. Stop counting. Well, well no. I'm just making it. Yeah, I, uh, I know. Uh, he wasn't even leading when he said that. Yeah. 
Uh, Tilden was definitely leading. Yeah. Yeah. Almost had President Tilden. Yeah, yeah. Tilda There's been Swinton. weirder names. There's been weirder Some names. Some weird president names. Yeah. George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the most normal one there is. <laughs> Jimmy Carter, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like they went by Jimmy, though. Not James. So the three unredeemed states, and, you know, unredeemed means that you're not at the 10% yet. Yeah. So it's, there's still military occupation in these states, and mm-hmm. it's still fully under reconstruction. And those states were Louisiana, Florida, and South Carolina. Those were the contested states. Mm-hmm. And this is where all the like the main uh, voter suppression, that's where that was really going down to. Yeah, they were disputed. So who was a uh, who was doing the voter suppression? Was it uh, a flipsy dipsy? Was it was it liberals doing it, or was it uh, good old white, fashioned conservatives? White supremacists. Oh, like always. <laughs> yeah, armed white supremacists. I'm, I'm okay. glad to see that uh, Florida is still in the mix with fucking up shit. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Good, good yep. thing we got the Voting Rights Act in there and uh, fixed that problem. Fixed all of it. Oh yeah. yeah. Until a couple years ago when we didn't. <laughs> the Republicans claimed on one side that black voters and white Republicans were being bullied and suppressed at the polls. Otherwise, they would have had a clear victory, right? And the Democrats claimed that they were trying to steal the election, right? Like, oh, here you are, stealing the election. You know, Stop it's clearly steal. going for, yeah, it's clearly going for Tilden. And they're like, look, if, if there was no voter suppression, we would be winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So does the, any of this sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. uh, the first time I've heard of this. I feel like maybe we we were born and grew up in a bubble where we just had it way too good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. most of the time, everything's shitty and chaotic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Now, politicians across the political spectrum flocked to these uh, three states to resolve the issue. Democratic Party officials wanted Tilden to do more about what they saw as rampant voter frauds. They were like, Tilden, you gotta get up there and you gotta be like, this is fraud. And he was like, look, this is the way our system works. We have to respect the system. <laughs> and so, like, they were, they were like, well, you're, you're not gonna fight for it? And he's like, we have to respect the system. Twitter hasn't been invented yet, guys. <laughs> well, the thing is, is both Hayes and Tilden were both, had the, kind of the same mind. Like, both of them were just like, it's, it's the way things work. It's the way things need mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. Like, neither of them were fighting. It was the parties that were fighting. Mm. You know what I mean? Not really the candidates in this case. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's different than... In our case, it's just Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, screaming right. into a void. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like egos, much like portions, were a little bit smaller back then. Yes, so. yes, indeed. Yeah, you didn't have some syncophants yeah. that were just yes-men that were like... There's a steal happening, or whatever the fuck, that believed in some conspiracy nonsense. Oh, boy. Uh, Tilden basically wasn't willing to do anything about it because he, yeah, he had respect for the electoral system, and he thought it was a sacred one, and he wasn't going to be the one that was going to be caught fucking with it. You know what I mean? So he wasn't going to touch it, and neither was Hayes. But the Republican Party, they were more powerful and numerous at the time. They just had more money. You know, it was the money party, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And there was just more of them. Yeah. Just yeah. more elected Republicans in this time. They were like, let's fuck some rats, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and the 12th Amendment to the Constitution isn't totally clear on what to do in a situation like this. Basically, what it says is that if there's a contested vote, it has to go to Congress in a joint session with the House and the Senate. And the president of the Senate, which is the vice president, 
counts the votes. And that's all it really says. But even if the vice, sitting vice president is the incumbent, he still counts the votes, which is bonkers. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. It is. And the thing was, remember, that the House was the Democrats in this time, and the Senate was the Republicans, much like what we have today. So they couldn't agree on who should ratify the count. Because, again, you had a, sets of electors from these states that were claiming for Tilden, some claiming for Hayes, and there were these sets that were going to win each state, and they were both claiming to be totally legitimate, and somebody had to figure out who these electors were going to actually go to. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And cars don't exist yet. Like, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I'm just, I just want to, I, I really want to focus on, if they want to figure out the corruption, like, they got to, like, Get in a horse-drawn carriage and yeah. go to each place one by one and get shit sorted. They got out. a railroad. They okay, a railroad. well they do have the choo-choo. Yeah, <laughs> they do have the choo-choo. They also have telegraph lines. Okay. So when they can't agree on who's actually going to count the vote, you know, because the House wants to count it, and of course they're going to count it for Tilden, mm-hmm. and the Senate wants to count it, and they're going to count it for for Hayes, mm-hmm. you know, so no one could agree. And the thing was, is that you know, election day was the same day. You know, it's been to this day, but Inauguration Day wasn't until March. Right. So they had a few months to figure it out. And this would drag on for months. Months and months and months. So they had basically until March 4th. Because that was Inauguration Day, right? That was Inauguration Day to figure it all out. Otherwise, what they would have to do is call another election. Jesus fuck. And nobody fucking wanted that, especially the American people. Yeah, fuck that shit. Americans love to vote, but we (laughs) hate to vote twice for the same thing back to back. I don't think Americans like voting. (laughs) That's not true at all. What are you talking about? American Idol? The reason why it's one of the biggest things is because people like voting. Well, you, well, it, we then why do we have still like sixty six percent of all eligible voters voting? Because if we I, could vote for a president by dialing yes to six three seven seven, then um, and there was a reality show. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly, there is, there is a reality show around. It's called the news. Right now, it's a fucking reality show. But without uh, TV, they had eighty one percent voter turnout rate. In what this else election. are you gonna do? Throw rocks at trains? Yeah. Yeah, sure, no TV. But again, no TV, 81% turnout rate. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, there's not so, enough rocks or enough trains. So that's why you go on vote. I, I, I don't think people actually do like voting. I, I think when people get mad enough, that's yeah. when they want yeah. to vote. I, I think it takes anger to yeah. vote. You know what I mean? Well, I think uh, people have to get pissed off to vote. Yeah. I don't think they happily... I don't think anyone happily votes. I think that's absolutely the case. <laughs> that's yeah. fair enough, yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely... Uh, They're uh, like, why should I vote? Things are going so well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't care what happens. Fuck it. You know, like I, I, I know that there's a lot of people that have been that way for a yeah. long time. Like, fuck it, doesn't really affect me. Well, I used you know. to think that's that. why my life motto is uh, has always been anger ain't a mood. It's a goddamn way of life. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm an angry motherfucker. Well, if yeah. if each administration changes one thing that affects your life, right? You know what I mean? Like, and it and like, I think it really depends. Like, the next administration is going to some to some degree affect you know student loan debt. The right, previous right, right. the previous administration really affected immigration, really infected really affected taxes, and actually in a lot of ways Donald Trump has gotten a lot of shit done, but it's all been shit that's going to completely kick the legs out from under everybody who 
is an immigrant and everybody yeah. who makes less right, than seventy thousand right. dollars a year. Yes, so exactly. Most of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the backbone of the economy. Yeah. So of course that has the most money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. you can tax that, right? Well, yeah. And and not the super rich, right? No, no. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Honestly. My my favorite thing about this whole thing is how much money Donald Trump is making. Oh yeah. No, I know. What a poor, poor man. Yeah. They, they made... Charging the Secret Service six fifty a night to stay at Mar-a-Lago. I know. <laughs> That's <laughs> our dime. That's our dime. Brother. I brought that up last Thanksgiving. Okay, no. Let's just move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. Considering that there were you know two two electors and whatnot in in like the state you know governments, if you have a state legislature that is of a certain party and a governor that is of the same party then they themselves can decide who the electors actually go towards, right? Okay. So the Democrats actually wanted help from the newly elected governors. Like, South Carolina just got a new Democratic governor. His name was Wade Hampton. Okay. And actually, uh, Susie went to Wade Hampton High School in Greenville, South Carolina. There you go. So he's uh, kind of a big deal. He was a Confederate (laughs) general and an absolute piece of shit. You can be a big deal and be a piece of shit. Yeah, uh, the red shirts. Kanye remember, West. Rem- yeah. Stalin. <laughs> yeah, remember I was saying uh, the red shirts were kind of one of the white supremacist groups that were like out bullying people? Yeah. Yeah. The red shirts in South Carolina basically got him elected. He never actually said, like, gave support to the red shirts. He was, like, too politically savvy for that. But... Yeah, they got him elected. He was so, real. They're very fine people. But by, yeah. by, by red shirts, you mean uh, uh, classic Proud Boys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, proto Proud Boy. As long as they're <laughs> not part of the away team, I think they'll be okay. <laughs> I get it. Star Trek. Yeah. Star Wars reference, guys. Yeah. It's Star, Star Trek. Trek. He's making a joke. He knows Star it's Star Trek. Trek. What am I? A wonky. A wonky. A wonky. I think it had something to do with like. You know, waving the bloody shirt, yeah. you know that kind of a that kind of a deal. But the thing was, is like he didn't get power until everyone else did too. So there's nothing Wade Hampton could have done to to help him out. You know, right? And it's all because of you know they had mismatches in these three states too because they were still under reconstruction because no one could agree and there was no like political loophole anywhere that they could dash through. What they decided is to compromise. And what they did is they formed a committee to investigate and basically come up with the winner. And so they they were going to form this bipartisan committee. It was made up of 15 people. Okay? And it was uh, five senators, five Supreme Court justices, and five members of the House. And they were all supposed to be evenly split with one independent voter that and they were going to decide, right? Mm-hmm. Basically where these electors went. The committee was made up of all women with very small breasts. And uh, I think you guys know what the committee was called. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I was by like, the way, where are you going with this? Does Is the Itty Bitty Titty Committee, is it a group of women that have Itty Bitty Titties, or is it a group of just people who scrutinize Itty Bitty Titties? <laughs> I, that, that is a good question. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Among them were actually uh, the two two friends, John Sherman and James A. Garfield, yeah. oh. on this committee. 
And if you remember correctly, James A. Garfield, when he first went to the Republican National Convention, and he actually got the nomination, he went there originally uh, supporting John Sherman. Yeah. And that's how yeah. he didn't like Mondays. <laughs> he, he, yeah. <laughs> Lasagna, you know, yeah, yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, was, I was thinking of the song about the, the girl that shot up a elementary school. Oh. Yeah. And she did it because she didn't like Mondays. Yeah. Is that a song? Yeah, Boomtown Rats. Oh, well, I thought I you were talking about Manic Carpenters. Monday. I thought you were thinking no. of Manic Monday. I was I was thinking of the Carpenters' uh, Rainy Days and Mondays. Yeah. Ah. Or U2's... No, wait, no, that's Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah. Fuck, different Man. day of the week. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Days uh, are hard. Yeah. Now, the, the, the swing vote, the most important vote, uh, was supposed to be the new Supreme Court Justice David Davis. Mm. What a name. He was a big dude. He mm. was a big old guy. He was a big dude with a simple name that was easy to remember because his yeah. parents did not love him. <laughs> They're like, fuck it, David. Yeah. Hey. Da- David Dum Dum Davis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> does the D also stand for David? No, it stands for Dum Dum because my parents didn't love me very much. <laughs> Uh, but he very smartly resigned from the investigation as soon as he could. Because he's like, no way am I going to be the guy that's going to decide the the election and have half the country fucking hate me. So there's it wasn't no that much way. of a dum-dum. Yeah, yeah, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. I won't touch this election with the stick that I attach a rag to to wash myself with. <laughs> <laughs> now, everyone eventually voted along party lines, unsurprisingly, making the vote 8 to 7 for Hayes. Bada bing. Right. Only the Republicans were happy about it. There were stirrings of violence yet again. And the Tilden supporters, they threatened to take the White House by force and install Tilden as president. Oh. Like, this was happening. So, Grant, of course, called in federal troops just in case... Jesus Christ. Just in case anything would happen. Glad that that's uh, not a boresome thing nowadays. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that our cities don't have federal troops in them uh, uh, keeping the peace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, beating people with batons. Yeah. That would be a whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all about Guessing. growth, you know? Like, yeah. Guessing just... your own people, that's cool. I'm glad that never happened. Yeah, yeah. It certainly never happened on Capitol Hill. It's all hunky-dory. You know what I'm glad? I'm, I'm glad to hear is that the Proud Boys care so much about... Uh, Capitol Hill. I didn't know that they cared <laughs> so much about Capitol Hill until now. Yeah. Right. It's just crazy to know, honestly. Who would have thunk that, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a little gay neighborhood. A li- uh, yeah. Uh, a, a, a gay artist neighborhood. A gay artist neighborhood. I'm. It's crazy that they're down there all, you know, they live down there and that they uh, hang out down there all the time and they care so much about it. You know, it's like, wow. Honestly. It's almost like I didn't even know that they were there before this whole thing started. Uh, it's almost like they weren't. Like they were invisible. Like they weren't there. Like they didn't support any of the businesses around there or anything. Yeah. yeah it, it almost, it's kind of that way. It almost right? feels like as if they drove, you know, the, the fucking two and a half hours from Woodby Island to, uh, yeah, or, to go or and, f- and hang out. Yeah, drove the four from, days from... from St. Pete's, yeah, Florida. Eastern <laughs> Washington. I don't fucking know. I don't know where they come from, but they don't come from fucking Capitol Hill. Anyway, uh, they can fuck right off. All yeah. of them can fuck, fuck right you, off. proud boys. Yeah. So to stall the ratification of the decision by the commission, the Democrats started an epic filibuster to contest every single electoral vote. 
mm-hmm. even if it wasn't disputed. <sighs> so they'd basically be, be like, that vote in this state, uh, I, I contest that vote. And then they would have to go all the way through it and show why it's not contested just to stall the whole system until March. God. Mm. So they had and this went on. Walt there. Yeah. Doing the fucking Star Wars. Oh, no. It was, it was back in the day, so it was like, he was like, let me tell you about how Jules Verne should have an interconnected literary universe <laughs> and how all of his books are connected. <laughs> all right. Point one. 20,000 Leagues of Adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is before there was, like, laws against certain things you could do in a filibuster. Like, you couldn't just get up there and read the Bible. There's people that would do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was just to stall. And that's all they were doing. They were just stalling until March. The thing was, is they kind of wanted another election. Nobody else wanted that. Just then. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. This is the biggest kicker. In a last-minute Hail Mary pass, high-up party officials from both parties met secretly and discussed what would happen next. Two days before the deadline of Inauguration Day, the Compromise of 1877 was reached. It wasn't totally official, but it's what, it's what was decided... And it basically broke the filibuster and ended the filibuster so Congress could ratify what the commission decided. They were going to go with Hayes as president for this this compromise. Here's the kicker, though. Hayes had to promise to end military occupation in the South and end Reconstruction. Mm. Mm. So basically, are, you, are we sure that's just it? Maybe they didn't get some some extra grease in their palms. If there was, uh, I mean, none of it's written down. But if there was, uh, Hayes didn't really do anything else with his presidency to show anything like that. So what happened was, is since they they all agreed that this would happen. So since March fourth was actually on a Sunday that year, an inauguration was actually moved to Monday because you know God's day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hayes was actually secretly sworn in on Saturday the 3rd, just so that Democrats couldn't try any funny business. <laughs> He's already been sworn in. <laughs> I guess that matters. Very sneaky. <laughs> I just like, we already made him promise he was president. <laughs> so you can't do anything else. It's you like, guys, you promised! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's like, he, you already sworn, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So Rutherford B. Hayes became president. With an air of fraudulency. A lot of people called him his fraudulency. Like, they called him a fraud. He had the whole air of, like, not, not my being president. a legi- Yeah, not being a legitimate president. He was born in Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he kind of resolved to kind of keep his head down as, as president for this reason. He was going to be a laissez-faire president. If your head's down, how are you going to dodge all the tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already down. That's, no, that's all. Below the... Uh, the podium, you know? Yeah. Now, instead of actually going in there and, like, fixing civil service and actually giving real reform, we kind of touched on this, too. He kind of tried to, like, smooth things out and give the New York Customs House to the Democrats. Right. And so he battled Roscoe Conkling his entire presidency, all four years, mm-hmm. over this. And Roscoe Conkling crushed him. He ruined his reputation. <laughs> totally fucking crushed him. He got conked. He got conked. Yeah, yep. 
And Hayes also honored the commitments of the compromise and ended Reconstruction. And what this did is it un it undid all of the work in the last decade that was done for the South and it handed everything back to the Democrats. Mm. And again, this is only, you know, it's in recent memory. Yeah. Right. The Civil War is. And these are people that you've been fighting. Mm-hmm. And you just handed it all back to them and said, you promise to be nice? Yeah. They said, yep. <laughs> and they just, they, they decided to make all their states' rights laws from then on until the 1960s. They used, uh, there used to be such a thing as you know, black legislatures, things like this. Yeah. Not so after this. Mm-hmm. Not so. They had like that. a one sweet decade. Of, they had one uh, decade. Of yeah. something resembling progress. equity and progress. Yeah. And uh, with that compromise of uh, 1876? 77. 1877, sorry. Mm-hmm. One year after the centennial, yeah. uh, all of that was unraveled and you get the birth of... of uh, all kinds of voter suppression, all kinds well, of Jim Crow laws. Well, well you get Jim Crow, uh, but the thing was, is uh, a lot of these white supremacist groups, because they were considered terrorist organizations uh, under the Grand Administration, they kind of disappeared for a long time. They were kind of scattered to the wind. Mm-hmm. The KKK didn't really exist in 1877. They were kind of gone. And everyone was like, well, guess that's it. And it wasn't until the 20th century that they came back with the vengeance. And that was because of a little movie called Birth of, Birth a nation. of the Nation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woodrow Wilson's favorite movie. Of course it is. What yeah. a dildo. Thanks a lot, Lumiere Brothers. You fucking ruined the world. <laughs> Lumiere Brothers didn't do that. Yeah, they made it was the Pixar. C- I know, but the Lumiere Brothers invented the cinema camera that would later be used by Cecil There's B. There's a Mello. lot of people that invented a lot of different cameras, actually. There's a Lumiere camera. A lot of people invented a lot of things. (laughs) Well, the Lumiere brothers ruined a train coming into the station. It used to be exciting, and after I saw that movie 50 times, I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Hayes actually promised not to seek a second term. He he would say smokescreening things like, you know, if you seek a second term, your your first term is just going to be trying to be reelected. Rather than committing to your commitments that that got you elected. And it's like, Oh, so that one thing, you know what I mean? Oh, he did the Easter egg roll. He he started that. Okay. Hmm. So I love egg go. rolls. Uh, he put he violently <laughs> he he actually violently uh, <laughs> put down a labor strike with federal troops. Oh. So there's that kind of cost him some political clout. Luckily, there was like a bona fide genius that was coming on next, which was James Garfield. Mm-hmm. Right. Latin and Greek with, you know, Latin in one hand and Greek in the other at the same time. Like, the, That's dude, was nuts. A, the dude was a genius. It's too bad what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to that if you want, if you haven't. Yeah. Many called the election stolen and taken from Tilden. And Samuel Tilden, for the greater good of the country, conceded. But the country had not yet seen the last of him. He would stay in politics uh, for many years to come. He doesn't fade away. He stays in the zeitgeist of America. Planning, scheming. Running just, for president. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, all things like this. Hayes, after he was president, would... He would outward, outwardly say that he was content with his presidency. Like, like I've... There's no... Not another president that's ever entered the White House under worse circumstances and left under so good a circumstances. We'll see. And it's like, I don't know about that. 
I'm the best. I'm the best that there ever has been, <laughs> and that there ever will I, be. I don't think he was. Everyone a, likes me. He wasn't a total narcissist. He did retire, you know, right afterwards. Mm. He he did keep up correspondence with a lot of people in Congress. He was still a very visible figure in America. And he, he actually uh, wrote extensively about how he did his best with what he was given, and he ultimately didn't really deserve any of the ire that was directed at him. You know, like with what Conkling and some of the stalwarts were doing. Mm-hmm. He said, he said he didn't des- deserve that. I didn't deserve getting conked. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I, I believe uh, in his official, uh, you know, letters, uh, it was uh, mostly just, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah. I uh, did my best. I did my best. Don't conk me again. <laughs> I can't take another conking. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't take long before old Roscoe got a, got a conking himself. So. Oh. The, the conkings have turned. Yeah. But enough about his wife. <laughs> uh, Roscoe cheated on his wife. Oh. No, he, he's conking on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so with the new promising candidate to take his place, James Garfield, as we know, many were glad to finally throw Rut Hayes aside. And the 1876 election may have been over, but the country would never really totally be done with it. Mm-hmm. To this day, we're not really done with 1876. Well, how about that? Uh, so... They biffed that one. Yeah. That's it's, a botched job. It's a botched job. <laughs> I feel like today I learned that what we're going through currently, uh, and we try not to date our episodes, but this is uh, November of 2020, end of November, uh, week before Thanksgiving. So, you know, we don't try to date the show, but I just dated us horribly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but that being said, that what we're going through now is par for the course, it seems like. There's yeah. just a lot of similarities. There's I, a, I mean, you know, I mean, just just uh, it being just a clean break is is not normal. <laughs> well, and we we grew up in a in a in a I don't know. Well, I I do want to say that the silver lining in both of these elections is that, and and this these aren't these are happen to be the some of the weirdest elections we've ever had. I mean, we had a fucking sitting vice president kill somebody in a duel. Mm-hmm. You know that happened during an election. We've had some crazy elections, but the thing was, surprise. But the thing was that 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 you can that you can take away from this is that it we're still here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We made it. You know, after a crazy, contested, totally polarized election. And, I mean, we aren't nearly as polarized as as they were in 1876. We weren't nearly as polarized. I thought we were on the verge of civil war. There's a lot of people that are saying that, and I'm not ruling it out. I'm just, I'm just saying they already had one, and this is what they were dealing with, and... We're not even close to that kind of ire. You know what I mean? We're, we're not even close to that kind of uh, division in this country. I mean, I don't know about that so much. Tell that to Portland. I mean, I've, uh, shit, my, my buddy last night, uh, well, his, his next door neighbor got fucking shot at. Yeah. Okay, 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 look, yeah. look, 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 look. Uh, it wouldn't make any sense for me to tell anything like that to, to one city in, in the country. I understand what's going on in our city and in Portland, 
But the thing is, is this is the whole country we're looking at. Sure. It's not just one city, and it's not just one state. Sure. We have to be... I, they were physically divided. The Mason-Dixon mm-hmm. line. Physically and ideologically opposite. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, we we might have differences, and there might be a lot of these things, and politicians exacerbate these these things. But... We still are alive. You know, there still isn't a civil war. Yeah. So until it happens, then we can talk about that. But but so far, nothing's happening. Um, I'm not devaluing uh, any, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be an alarmist, but I'm also not going to uh, take away fear of that. It, it's okay to be afraid of things like that happening. It has happened before. There's precedence for, hap- for, for that happening. I just don't... We're, we're not anywhere near what this was. Sure. It's my only point that I'm saying. Sure. Uh, my, what I was trying to, to say is modern day civil war is not going to look like what it was back then. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, but we're not. My only point is, ideologically speaking, we are not nearly as divided as we were back then. I'm inspired by Jerry's words, and I yeah. like to bring up that in 2024, Jerry will just barely be 35 years old, and he's born <laughs> no, in the United no, States. No. So I'm not saying that he's making a run yet, <laughs> but that's because he's only like two beers deep right now. So let's give him a couple more, see where it goes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've said that behind the scenes of the show that I think the sort of the fear that we're going to have a civil war in this country sometime soon is really extreme, and I don't believe it at all. I think that there's a huge difference between, like, small pockets and groups of... I think there'll be violence. There'll be a lot of violence. But I think there's a huge difference between that and even, like, guerrilla tactics-esque... Well, I, I think for well, people I've, to get in... Sorry, let me just finish. Yeah, yeah, go for I think it. for people to be... I, I think it's almost impossible in this country right now for people to be connected enough to create a large enough act of violence where it's like it can be actually considered a civil war well they th- have to, yeah yeah no you you touch on a very important point what, what you're talking about is like ideological solidarity and and the thing is is there's really no ideological solidarity with let's just say republicans and democrats okay? right because in the civil war it was parties that that separated mm-hmm. like like the the saying was is not not every democrat was a confederate but every confederate was a democrat right mm-hmm. so so like that's that's kind of what we're looking at and the thing is is we might see violence and voter suppression just like in the election of 1876 but we won't see war like the civil war in america uh, ever again uh, probably ever. Again. Oh, I don't think so at all. Uh, I think, unless shit gets really bad, which I just don't think. I, I, I think the think events would have to happen that are so drastic we can't see them coming. Yeah. I think, f- I mean, for me, it's like when people say things, it's like, well, a modern civil war is a different thing. I still don't think that, like, the most we're going to get, we will get violence. There will be shootings, and these that will continue to happen in the United States because they're not doing anything about it. Yeah. That is not a civil war. And I think yeah. for those people to it's become... insurgency is what that is. For those... They'd have to, like... There'd have to be a coalition amongst these people who would have to be organized enough to actually have it be a civil war, well, and I don't see yeah. that happening in this country. Well, and, and again, a coherence of, of one ideology, yeah. which, which and, they... And for they that to know. be... For that to be... If that... I, I think that... <laughs> I think there's a reason that we haven't had a major terrorist attack in this country since 9-11... 
is the same reason that's not going to happen. It's like these people are being watched, you know. The, I, the intelligence agencies, yeah. if they got large enough that there's a coalition of people who could actually do some real damage in this country, I don't buy that the way things are right now that that would be possible. He, he, yeah, well, well, here's the way I think of it. There are militia groups that will probably do insurgent-like things, you know. Mm-hmm. If they get real nuts, they'll, they'll do like an Oklahoma City bombing thing or yeah. a Ruby Ridge thing or things like but this. But my point is, but if that like, is what you consider a civil war, then we have been in a civil war ever since the civil war. Exactly, exactly. We, if that's what you call a civil war, then we already have been in a civil war. We've never left. So it's never, war. it's not, yeah. there's not going to be a civil war. And then I think yeah. by being like, this is going to happen, you're decrediting what's already happened, where it's like Oklahoma City or, you know, y'all Qaeda, all these things uh, by the need way, to be taken fucking seriously. But by, by the way, that family after the y'all Qaeda thing mm-hmm. uh, moved to my hometown and now they're claiming... To be from my hometown of Emmett, Idaho, Jesus. which they are not from. I am from there, and I don't remember a single motherfucking one of them. And I hope they get run out of that town on a rail. And I hope you're listening, Emmett, Idaho. Fuck the Bundy family and get them the fuck out of my hometown. It offends me that their presence is even there. <laughs> the cat agrees with you. God damn. <laughs> Sorry. And, and I she don't like, like came up guys. to you while you were yelling. She and was just, like, and just to be, I know, just, right? Just to be clear. Um, we, we, we love the Bundys, uh, Al Bundy, Peg, Peg. in particular, I love, Peg. As, but it's, it's the other Bundys, you know. The shithead Bundys. Ted Bundy, yeah. you know, he's the great. Bundys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I did not expect you to say he's great. <laughs> he's awful, he's an awful person. Uh, Cliven and the rest. Now, gentlemen, I know that every year around the holidays you gotta speak to you you know maybe members of your family or friends that you know you may not totally agree with you know their worldview or what they have to say but the thing is is we're gonna set an example and uh, we're, we're, we're gonna talk with someone that we don't necessarily agree with but but we wish them uh, happy holidays even still and a happy Donald Trump, right? No, yeah. no, no. Okay. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Roger Stone. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're going to call the cow man. Ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> really? Yeah, of all yeah, the we're people. Call th- I know, I know. You guys don't want to talk to the cow man, but we're going to talk to the cow man. This is how it's going to go. Well, I don't, I don't so much... Uh like uh, talking to him, but I do like listening to what he has to say. He has a lot of controversial opinions that I've, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm, I'm an avid listener. I have been for a long time, so it's going to be really exciting for me. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's call the cowman. Cowman, are you there? Uh, hey, all right. Uh, so, uh, well, I, I just got to know real quick, uh, is this a serious interview? Yeah. Uh, sir, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we just wanted to say how you know how are you doing there, cowman? Oh, all right. Well, you know that's a uh, nice for change. Uh, I'm doing uh, you know I'm doing uh, the whole the whole rodeo, you know, in uh, 15 minutes. You give me. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. No. So, uh, what what are you uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving, cowman? 
Well, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, uh, I'm not into it. Uh, me and uh, my closest, we celebrate something that we call Thanksgiving. Uh, uh-huh. That's where we like to, uh, you know, use a, take one of those leftover ribs, you know, from those whaling ships from Japan. We go to town <laughs> on just one of those. Uh, and that's our, that's how we celebrate the holiday, whole milk and all. All right, whole, whole milk and a whale rib. The side of spermaceti. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it sounds like this Thanksgiving for you is going to be ribbed for your pleasure. Oh, yes. Yeah. Rib, rib, rib no for, one, rib, okay. Ironically, no one will see our ribs because those whale ribs are ginormous. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, so, po- uh, Cowman, uh, tell me about your podcast that you have. Our podcast, uh, it, uh, you know, is there to discover the truth and sometimes to create the truth. Uh, you know, uh, you know, safe spaces have uh, wanted posters of uh, of the cowman, country slaughterhouse, and uh, that's what we like to like to stand for. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you 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 wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be a proponent of safe spaces or of. Uh, you have free speech jails, right? Well, I'm into you know, saying mostly whatever you want. Yeah, you know, space I'm like, oh, geez, come on. I mean, it's a show that really me? separates the cowmen from the cowboys, from what I understand. Oh, Absolutely, you know, cowboy is uh, my brother. He owns a car dealership, and uh, I don't like to talk about him, even though I love him very much. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> well, have you listened to our podcast? And uh, if so, what do you think? Yeah, you know, history is for the boys. I'm sure that uh, all of you can agree with me on that. All of our listeners are history boys, even even the girls. That's why we spell it B-O-I-Z. Oh, yeah, yes. But, uh, you know. And then, uh, you know, tradi- history, uh, you know, mainly favors mostly, you know, with some exceptions, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> Do, do you agree with our reading of history there, Cowman? I do. Uh, I would say that, uh, that I agree, uh, you know, until I, I disagree. I see. <laughs> I see. Well, what uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on uh, the election or current events there? Everyone is really just, you know, I think they're overreacting a little bit. It doesn't really matter because either way I voted, I can just lie to you. To <laughs> the situation. And I think that's what makes America beautiful. Who who did you vote for, Cow Cowman? I'm a firm advocate of my pal, Bill Bob Butch. He's run locally for <laughs> the last twenty five years. I vote for him for everything in every form of uh voting that there is. You just, you just write him in for everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got my what? he's got my firm support. Bill Bob Butch. Twenty twenty four question mark. What of his policies uh, is most popular with you? Why do you like him so much? My favorite policy of his is uh, to uh, expose them all, every one of them, and also to get our boys back from now, because he's convinced that there's still some of them over there, and he'll go back for them. I think the boys that are in Nam right now are willing to, to stay there. They might be, you know. But uh, there's only one way to find out, and that's another one of his uh, campaign slogans. <laughs> only one way to find out. 
it's it's been absolutely great talking with you, Cowman. Uh, your podcast. I love you, Cowman. Yeah. I love you, Cowman. Cowman's podcast is Cowman's Country Slaughterhouse, and where can that be found there, Cowman? It can be found uh, on YouTube through uh, the parent channel Nubby Nader, or you can just uh, yeah, type in Cowman's Country Slaughterhouse. Only available on YouTube, there, folks, because uh, Cowman, uh, I wouldn't say is the, probably the most uh, uh, technological, uh, technologically savvy person out there. No, we like to keep it simple. We like to keep it real. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's for the real folks out there. Well, that's fair. That's fair. That's that you know, to each his own there. Anyway, it's been great talking with you, Cowman. Hopefully, we'll we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you for having me. All right. So, folks, got a couple of new Patreon supporters, Patreon pals, uh, that we want to shout out. The first one I want to shout out is Danny. Danny! Thank you so much, Danny. Danny's been, uh, we've never met him personally, but Danny's been a great friend of the show for a long yeah. time. Recommended some apps. He uh, did. We did a couple of things. things and yeah. uh, we love you. He yeah. just harps on and on yeah. and on about things we have to do. <laughs> yeah. But we love doing ideas. them. <laughs> he has great ideas. I'm, yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Danny. Uh, it means a lot to us. And we also have Ian. Ian. What, 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 yeah, what, buddy. Woo. Uh, I actually got to talk with Ian uh, on the Beers of the Boys on Discord. That guy's pretty yeah. dope. I yeah, like yeah. that guy. Yeah, and just so you know, if you're not a Patreon pal yet, become a Patreon pal to get access to our Discord and hang out with us yeah. when we do uh, Beers with the Boys. Uh, any history boys or history... And history persons. History however. peoples. Well, and guys, I was afraid of Discord, too. I know it's a new thing, and I don't like new things. I hate new things. But honestly, Discord is pretty cool. I kind of dig it. The young people hearing you say Discord is this new thing, they're like, you old fuck. I know. <laughs> okay, I boomer. Know. I know, I know. And we also have Maddie. Maddie. Hey! Maddie. Maddie is the sister I never had. Yeah. Maddie <laughs> is great. wonderful. I love her. I love Maddie. She was on, uh, she went to, she was one of your groomsmen. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was a groom's person groom's of mine. Person. And groom's we, woman. I don't know how you want to put it. I kinda I kinda just went like groomsman. Gro- groomsman. groomsman. <laughs> and we went to uh, her fine. personally to shake her down, get her on the Patreon. And yeah. if if you play your cards right, we'll come shake you down too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so get in there, get in the chat with us. And get get the cool free stuff that we're giving away. We got uh, hey guys, we got merch now. We got shirts. Oh yeah. We got also we got an A line dress with our just faces in time on for uh, Christmas. If yeah. you want to get somebody a dope ass uh, history boys whatever. What want, the fuck? All F? kinds of things on there. Uh, we got a bunch of shit, and it's kind of awesome. We got a few people that already got it, and they seem to like it, so that's pretty cool. First person who gets the A line dress uh, will be featured all over our uh, social, social media. media yes, you have to send a picture if you get that A line dress. Please take a picture of yourself in it so we can share that all over. Because it's bonkers. I'm just going to say, <laughs> it's I bonkers. love it. <laughs> bonkers isn't a bad thing. No. I was History Boys t-shirt buyer, customer number one, and I love my shirt. I wear it every single day. <laughs> it's starting to smell. It's starting Tyler. to smell. It's it's rotting and falling off my yeah. bones. i got to buy another one now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be like Tyler. Buy one and wash it every once yeah. in a while. That's what normal people you do. You take care of it, it'll take care of you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So, actually, what we did do is we recorded some new stuff for our Patreon pals. We did a quiz show. 
Oh yeah, uh, which was a lot. That's of fun. coming out soon. That's that's yep. on Patreon, so that'll be cool. But yeah, otherwise follow us on all the social medias. You know your Twitters, your uh, Instagrams. Instagrams, your Facebooks, and you can interact with us there. You can see all sorts of stuff that we post. But otherwise, I am Jerry Nash, and I'm a history boy. I hope you enjoyed this show. Boy, we had some we had some difficulties making this episode. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it either. Bringing it up, Jerry. Uh, and yeah, that's it for me. I'm Tyler Armentrout, and I'm a history boy, and I approve this message. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris Whedon, also history boy. Uh, have a good night, everyone. Uh, I love you very much. Uh, and I'm Zach Meck, uh, the the angriest of the history boys. Uh, and on that note, love you, bye. See you next time. Or I guess we are.